Welcome to See You Next Tuesday. I'm Jade Chung. If you've been noticing and have ever wondered how freaking amazing my husband, the walking weapon, Josh Alexander, is looking these days, guys, you really have to pay attention to this episode. His nutrition and training coach is Rico Montana. And if you've never heard of that name before, then I suggest you listen, pay attention to this episode because it's going to be so interesting. Not only that, Rico was an ex-pro wrestler. So there's bound to be crazy stories, right? Of course, pro wrestlers always have crazy stories. (laughs) I cannot wait, so let's get to it. Okay, everyone, please help me welcome Rico Montana. How are you, Rico? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, Thank you for having me. Of course. Please don't take this the wrong way. Yeah. But I know absolutely nothing about you, which makes this much more exciting. And I can't wait to hear your story and just learn about you. Yeah. No, it's great. Like, uh, to be honest with you, I don't think anyone knows my story. People assume they know my story. So I, I can't no wait. one really knows it. Yeah. Okay. So first off, let's get right into it. Tell me about your resting history. Like who trained you and when and where did you debut? Uh, okay. So I was trained by Don Koloff, uh, UFO. Uh, people who came out of there would be like Santino Morella. Um, yes, yeah. That's the most known person. Uh, Al Barone. I'm not sure if people know him. Um, George, uh, or Alexander King, uh, he wrestled as Jason X in zero one. I, 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 I only know Santino. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, okay. Like, I'll just give you a little background about my coach, which is like a little different than what like most people are accustomed to. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike, like the gym there was kind of serious. Like he, he didn't have a lot of students because he's kind of like old schooler. Like, so Don Kolov was like, I guess his celebrity was uh, being like one of Stu Hart's right-hand men. Mm-hmm. So wow. um, he had like kind of a old school kind of mentality when it came to things. So like when I walked into school, which I found by fluke, I just was going for lunch with a friend of mine. And then the school was next door to the place my friend took me to. Mm-hmm. Um like when I walked in there, it was like just a serious vibe. It wasn't so like, no, nah, it was positive, but it wasn't like you could tell it was serious. So when I told him I wanted to wrestle, he asked me a bunch of questions. Uh, and then it was kind of like, okay, are you willing to leave your family, get up and go? Because if you want to make it, that's what you're going to have to do. Mm-hmm. Where it wasn't so much like, hey, just pay me monthly. And if you want to come, you can come. Like, for example, like while I was training, I, I saw people walk in. And he would ask him kind of the same questions he asked me. And it was like, I remember one guy in particular was like, you know, are you married? Yes, I'm married. And it's like, do you have kids? Yes, I have kids. It's like, well, you're not going to really want to start a career to leave your family right now. So, you know, I, I'm not the guy for you. Like he sent more people away than he took. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had a little like, you know, my learning from the beginning was like, if you're not willing like to make this your life, just get out of here. Yeah. Like he, he always said, like, I'm not going to teach you a few things so you can go show your friends and be the cool guy, you yeah. know, like, so, uh, so that's kind of the learning I did. Like the first three months, um, I wasn't even in a wrestling ring. I was in an octagon. 
so like he, he kind of taught me like the kind of old school mentality was like, you know, if you get over, like someone's going to want your spot and, you know, like someone might try and break your leg. So you need to like learn to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. So like, that was kind of like, um, the mentality that I had. So, uh, like all the guys that were there didn't really work like Ontario Indies. Like there was one guy who's like older. Um, I never really saw him wrestle except once, uh, he wrestled under midnight mass. So like, he was like in the stampede days and he was, uh, like he worked a lot of tours for Emile Dupree, uh, worked in like Budapest, Hungary, like, um, he came back and he was taking Al Barone to an indie show in Ontario. Mm-hmm. Um, so I tagged along, like just to watch. So I went to watch and this is while I was training and it was on a native reserve. Um, so I went there and then, uh, watched the show kind of like saw what it was. And then by fluke, like two or three weeks after there, we went back to Brantford or sorry, I went with a friend of mine who was a property manager mm-hmm. to Brantford to deal with some, like whatever his business was. And we ended up going to a bar, uh, after he did his business. And I saw a couple of people in there that I recognized from the indie show. Yeah. And I went up and asked like, Hey, you were at the wrestling show. Yeah. And they asked me if you're a worker. I said, I lied and said, yes. I've had, you know, I did 20, 20 matches and I did like 10 battle Royals and the guy's like, okay. Um, you know, like I'm doing the show this date, like you have a look, I'll give you a chance. So I was like, okay. Uh, and then that was, uh, for Nick Nitro, his name was, okay. uh, he, his company, I believe was called CWI. So that was my first, uh, experience working in the Indies. Okay, for, um, for reference, what year yes. are we talking here? 99. 99. 99, okay. 99, 2000. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So yeah, that's, uh, he basically gave me my first opportunity. Okay. Yeah. And then did you work a lot of Ontario Indies at all? Um, yes and no. Like, um, it was really hard. Like, um, it was hard to get like kind of in like with anyone. So like I'd work for like Nick when you do like the native shows and um, I wasn't really learning much to be honest. Like didn't have like the greatest kind of um, like guys, which I'm not insulting them. It's just like, you know, when you're green, it's like, you just want to learn. Right. Um, So I wasn't really learning much. And then um, I met um, a guy Thorn. Uh, I think his name now is Chris Thorne. He has a company as well in like Niagara Falls, I think. Okay. Uh, He was really good to me. Like he lived at the time, like somewhere up north. Like it was a really nice place, like like before North Bay, but kind of like north of Barrie. Mm -hmm. And like in the summer, he'd have a ring in his backyard. So like I'd drive up there and like go work out with like him and like his buddies. Mm -hmm. And then like he ran some shows. So I did that. And then... um, like, you know, like you're working like once, twice a month. So it's kind of like sucks because you're not. Yeah. And then, uh, like I would go to, like, I would hear hear about indie shows and I would go, but it was like, there's no way, like, I'm gonna get in with these circle of people except, um, do you remember a guy named Magnus? Uh, yeah. Like he was huge. Yeah. Yeah. Like like uh, the WWE guy. 
No, 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 no. Like he was Different. like, uh, yeah, he worked with like, uh, he worked a lot for like whatever was hot at the time, like the companies in London and then like Windsor. Like I think he worked for Scott Damore. Uh, he tag team a lot with Tid. Like he was like a huge, like he kind of looked like a bodybuilder guy. And then like he'd work with uh, those guys in Niagara Falls, like uh, Neo Wrestling, like Showtime, Eric Young and those guys used to work there. Okay, I pr- I should know this person. I think so. Wait, did he have long hair? No, he had like uh, short blonde hair. Like he was like the biggest guy. Like he was like maybe six three and like three hundred pounds, but like muscular. Like he um, he stood out compared to everyone else. Mm-hmm. But anyways, he knew me. He recognized me because he knew people in my life. And oh. like, he worked a lot of the clubs and stuff. So he's mm-hmm. like, you know, like you look familiar, blah, blah, blah. You know, this guy. Yeah. Okay. You wrestle. Yeah. Okay. I'll get you work. And then like, you know, cause I said like, Hey, if you get me in, like even like, I don't care. I'll job out to whoever. I just want to get ring with someone different. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, so he kind of helped, like he tried, but it didn't really work out. Like, and then uh, I did something that was a little like stupid, like when I look at it, but I just don't like now I'm a little more mature than I was then. Mm-hmm. Um, so I basically um, there was a promoter named Chris Jury who was working quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So I basically challenged this whole change room. I said, like, I said, uh, book me and put me in with your toughest guy. I said, like, I'll do a match with him and then I'll beat the shit out of everyone in your chamber. Like, so. Um, I don't know how true it is, but then like he, he called me and he's like, uh, I basically told some of my guys in the change room, the message and Tid said to book you. And I'm like, okay, you know, like, so I just went and then I started working for him. And then he obviously saw I was cooperative, you know, like mm-hmm. he's like, I want you to do this. Like, okay. Like, I don't care. I just want to, I just want to get ring time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I did that for a while. And then, uh, like still not a lot of work. It was like, maybe every two weeks. Uh, yeah. So then somebody, I forget who it was, but it was one of that guy, Chris Thorne's friends. He gave me an email address for a guy named Vance Nevada out in Manitoba. Oh, so okay. I, I emailed him and then I was just like, like it was like the simplest email saying like, you know, this is my name. This is how I look. Um, I just want to learn. Like that was basically what I put like, and I'm willing to come out there. So he told me, come. So I went out to Manitoba and I stayed there a while and there was really cool because they were working like four or five times a week. Yeah. Um, not in front of like, like not big crowds or anything. There's no money, but I mean, it was like, you know, like I lived in a minivan. I did the whole poor thing. Like I won't even eat tuna to this day because I ate so much of it then because it was cheap, <laughs> you know, like, um, so I did all that. And then I learned a lot from him. It was cool. Cause like, he'd be like, uh, he'd tape the like matches and then like I'd go to his house and he would watch it with me. And like, he kind of not to like go back too much, but the one thing I pride myself on a lot is my co- my coach taught me how to be a professional mm-hmm. and like, and Vance about to live like a professional, like, so even if he's not like WWF guy or whatever, like he was a real wrestler, like, it's what he did. It's like he had like a steady paycheck from whatever company it was in Winnipeg. Like he ran everything. He was in charge of the talent. Like he was a real pro. So like we, he, you know, we, he'd film the match and he'd sit there and tell me like, you know, this was shit. This was good. So like, you know, and we go over it and then um, 
I spent quite a bit of time out there. Um, and uh, one, one of my biggest regrets to this day, like one thing I feel terrible about to this day was also a great learning experience for me was uh, there was like the, it's like one of the biggest in North America, like hockey tournaments for native Indian people. Mm-hmm. So um, they set up uh, like a huge wrestling match, like wrestling show there. Uh, so there was like, it was a huge crowd, like, you know, w- the biggest crowd I ever worked in front of at that point, it was like 5,000 people watching. And oh, then, damn. yeah. And then somewhere out there, uh, they have, I think it was Manitoba, maybe Ontario too. They have like a native uh, sponsored channel, like TV. Oh wow! So they were, f- yeah. So they're filming it for TV. So because you're working like four days a week, uh, even though it was like little crowds, um, mm-hmm. they're kind of teaching you how to work a storyline. Um, and then they like, you know, the accumulation all ended like on that show. So the guy I wrestled with where my regret and where like feeling bad comes in was, um, I totally fucked up the guy's finish Mm. and, uh, I was too green to say, Hey, let's do it again. And then he, I guess he was too mad to say, let's do it again. But, um, yeah, his name's Zach Mercury and I totally fucked up his finish and, like still to this day, it bothers me. Um, but yeah, so it was a great, great learning experience. So then from there, I came back to Ontario, uh, still barely any work. So then I went to um, North Carolina. Wow. Uh, so, so you I like worked... in a span of how long would you say that you went uh, from to like Manitoba and now, now going to I'd North say about Carolina? Like, uh, from like my first match to getting to North Carolina was probably about two years. Wow. Well, like for me, like I said, like I was taught that like, if you do this for a living, you do it for a living. So yeah. I went through the like living poor and like, you know, like I'm not gonna get a job. It's like, if this is what I want to do. Like if I have to hustle a hustle, like, you know, you do what you got to do. Right. Yeah. So you put a hundred percent in. Yeah. Well, yeah. And that, that was like, I had like, in a sense, I felt like I had no choice because I'm not going to tell my coach yeah I'm gonna do it and I'm not you know like they could have took my space to someone who's more serious and what's amazing is that you starting off with Don Kolov Mm. who clearly wasn't training just to get money you know he weeded out the people who seemed like they're gonna mess around so Mm. a great coach right there already um and then going to Manitoba and like having somebody to sit with you and go over all your stuff with you and critique everything like that's, that's pretty amazing. That's, that's, yeah. that's awesome that you got to go, you know, to, to be able to go through all that. Yeah. And he told me Vance, he said like, the only reason you're here is because what you put in the email, I said, I didn't put much in the email. And then he said like, <laughs> um, he's like, yeah, but you just said you wanted to learn. He's like, most people are just saying they want to work, you know? And mm-hmm. I'm like, no, like I, I know at that point, but just to like put everything in perspective, just so you understand my like history before I even got into wrestling was like, uh, my mom, like she had me young. So she was like going to school and stuff. So she would put me in things like gymnastics and like, um, things I didn't like at the time, you know, like Mm -hmm. I wanted to play basketball or like ball hockey. So like, I actually had like a gymnastic background and then, um, you know, like she also made me like for disciplinary reasons, like go to the gym when I was 13 So, like, wrestling wasn't, like, 
I had a little bit of like, not connection because there's no such thing, but like, um, okay. So just, I'm going to make this quick cause I don't want to be boring, but just so it'll make sense when I tell you my career. So, uh, at 13 years old, my mom put me in this gym. This gym was like the biggest meathead gym you ever like see in your life. Like, you know, I'm 13. Like, so, you know, like it's such a meathead gym. Like they, okay. I think Trish Stratus for a while was the aerobic instructor, okay. like, uh, at the gym. And then like, they would do like photo shoots there for like bodybuilding. So you'd see like 300 oh, pound oiled guys. Like that's and intimidating. Was, like, yeah. Like, so like, even like now it's kind of common to see a guy walk around with Tupperware and eat his food. But yeah. like back then it wasn't like, like I'm 40. So you figure like this, is like whatever, uh, I'm bad at math, 17, 20, 27 years ago. No, mm-hmm. whatever it was long time ago, there would be guys <laughs> in there like eating it. And I remember like, I'll never forget this. Like one time I went to watch like car races when I was like 15 years old, like people racing on the street mm-hmm. and everyone met at a donut shop. So I walked in and grabbed the donut. I walked out of the donut shop and some like meathead who recognized me from the gym, like totally shit on me for eating a donut and going to the gym. So <laughs> like, so I had a, like a athletic background before. So like wrestling, I'm not gonna say it wasn't hard. It's something new, but it was like, mm. uh, you know, discipline? And then like, like you, yeah, you learn like, discipline, right? Yeah, like, you know, and I'm not shitting on people, but like, you know, now it's like you walk into wrestling school and you feel like you have to tell at least 60% of the people in there, like, hey, go lift weights, you know, like, and it's, (laughs) I'm not saying everyone has to look the same, but it's like, you know, you have to say that where it was like, when I walked in to my gym, like, I know for a fact that if I wasn't lifting weights beforehand, you know, like, there's no way, like, my coach would have took, you know what I mean? Like, it was like, okay, what's like, you know, I need to ask me questions. Like, I'm like, oh, I did a little sambo, like, I did gymnastics. I'm like, okay, you like you lift weights. Yeah. Okay. Tell me what you do. Like do this. Tell me what you eat. Okay. Do this. So it's like, okay. So in his mind, I'm sure of this. It was like, oh, I don't have to force this guy to lift weights, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And cause I'm not like six foot six, 300 pounds, you know, like I'm barely six foot, you know, like, um, like, you know, at the time when I was training, I was about 185, you know, like in shape, but I mean like, um, so I have athleticism. So like, that's where I think it gave me like somewhat of an advantage, um, learning, like I just had needed someone to guide me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So sorry for giving you that history, but I think it'll make sense. Yeah, absolutely. Going back to North Carolina, like, I just, I just want to know like where you've been since you, you know, cause like, kind of like me, I, I like booted it for the States and I just literally, I just went with the flow and went wherever it took me. Like there was no planning, no nothing. I just went. So to me, it's, this is like already interesting just because you're just going, going, going. Okay. So I know now that I made a mistake in timing. So from, I did my first wrestling match to Carolina was less than two years. So I went to, I went to Carolina, um, with a couple guys from, from Ontario. We went Mm -hmm. down there, we worked there great people, super hospitable, like everything was great. And it was a great learning experience for me because I learned that as much as I thought I was a fan of wrestling, I'm not because like we would be going to like someone's house and they would be watching like NWA tapes. And I have no, I like, I had no clue that the big boss man was like wrestled before he went to WWF. Oh, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. and I'm like, this guy looks like big boss, man. They're like, it is. And I'm like, no, <laughs> like, 
I'm like, but he was somebody before Big Boss Man. Like, this is like when I'm like, I'm just going to sit down and shut up. You know, like, I didn't know anything. Like, so we did some shows there. And then uh, that was a great learning, too. Uh, I really enjoyed the work there because, like, um, it's, I don't know, like, uh, it was more like storytelling through athleticism opposed to storytelling through promos. You know, mm -hmm. like, okay, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, like that was good. And then from North Carolina, I jumped on a plane and I went to Puerto Rico. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> Jeez. yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm expecting yeah. like another state, you know, no. but okay. We're going to go uh, international. Like I, yeah. I, well, yeah, I came a colony. I came back to Ontario first and then I went to Puerto Rico. Um, I went there like same thing as like everywhere else. I just basically showed up um okay but I did went, you just did you just like go on a limb to go or was there something that drew you well okay they're like um i look at like i always looked at wrestling as like steps like so it's not like now so like especially then so like a lot of like my influence was um okay i gotta go back again and tell you this because we jumped yeah. ahead too far so That's my okay. coach okay my coach is like I said, he was like real close with the Hart family, right? Yeah. So We're talking about the, Man Manitoba coach? No. Or Don no, Kola. No, Don, Don Kola. Don Kola. Okay. So okay. like he's my only coach. Like Vance Savannah okay. helped me, but I mean like he's my coach. So um, okay, so Don Kola's close with the Hart family. So WWF is uh in town doing house shows like through Ontario. Mm -hmm. So Davy Boy Smith shows up at the or sorry, my coach tells me like Davy Boy Smith wants to go out tonight for dinner. And then he wants to go out. He's like, I'm older. He's like, I'm not taking him to the club. You have friends. You take him. And I'm like, okay. So, like, we'll go, like, have dinner uh, with him and Steve Blackman, mm -hmm. uh, who my coach knew as well. Uh, Don Kolov knows as well. And then, so having dinner with them. And then we're actually there for this guy. He wrestled as Alexander King or Jason X. Like, he was in zero one. one uh, he's wrestled all over. I think he's still wrestling to this day, to be honest. Um, so, um, yeah, I don't know what his name is now. Like, so he's like Alexander King. I know his real name is George. Like, he's a tall guy, like <laughs> six six, rip. Anyways, looks great. So we were there because we were giving Davy Boy Smith his stuff to say, hey, he's ready. So Davy Boy Smith's like, okay, like I got his stuff. Like, okay, we'll go to the club. So I had some friends. Like that worked in the city of Toronto because, like I said, my mom put me in a gym at 13 full of meatheads. All I met there was juice bags and bouncers, you know, like so <laughs> I was getting into clubs way before I was 19 years old. <laughs> so we take him to the club and then like, you know, whatever, like have a good night, like no problem. No one bothers him. Uh, then like a couple other guys came there, like Albert and uh, Test, uh, who... Okay, now we got to go back a little bit, rewind. I know it's a lot of info, but a lot of like stuff happened. I love this. When, yeah. <laughs> okay, so remember I told you my mom put me in a meathead gym that did a lot of like juice bags and stuff like that thing. <laughs> okay, so they would do all these photo shoots like Muscle Mag, like there was a popular magazine back in the day, like for bodybuilding. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, Muscle Mag would always be at the gym, and I guess they'd always see me there when they're like doing the photo shoots. They said, okay, we're gonna do a series on kids. So they did a spread on me when I was like 17 years old. Whoa. So, yeah. So one of the guys, like my mom has the magazine still. I'm not that much of a mark for myself. I don't keep a lot of like my own <laughs> shit. Um, it's good memories. But, yeah, I guess. Yeah. But my mom has it. So it's there. Um, 
one of the guys that was at the photo shoot was like workout partners with test. So when now we're fast forwarding years later, well, not that many years, but a couple years later, I'm at the nightclub with Davey boy Smith and test walks in with this guy that I did the photo shoot, like who was at the photo shoot. So it was like, Oh, okay. It's small world kind of scenario. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so we're all hanging around. Everyone had a good time. So then like, Okay, like, you know, it's like 4 a.m. Okay, time to head back. So we're heading back to the hotel. And Davey Boy Smith says, you have your gear. And I said, I don't even have gear. Like, I'm a student, you know? And he's like, straight, like, um, so I'll be honest here. I don't care. I don't wrestle anymore. He's like, you know, me and Shawn Michaels have the most power in this company. If I want to get you a job, I get you a job tomorrow. And I'm like, yeah, but, like, I respect my coach so much. I was scared to just say yes. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, because yeah. I, didn't, I didn't even do a one match yet. You know, like I was like maybe like six months into training. Yeah. So anyways, um, so that experience happened. And then like just talking to him, it was like when I was going to the Puerto Rico thing it was like learning the steps. It was like those guys like worked in territory days. Right. Mm-hmm. So they would go from one territory to the next to the next. And then ending up in New York, which is like WWF was like that's where you go when you've made it. Right. Yeah. So my mentality was like, my coach taught me the same thing. So it was like, okay, if I do like, you know, a little indie wrestling here and I go to like this territory and I go to that territory by the time, you know, like one of two things will happen. Either I can go into like WWF with, or WWE, like with confidence saying, okay, like I've worked these territories I've learned, Mm -hmm. or they're, they're going to hear about you. You know, and they're going to they're going to have an interest in you because like, look at like guys like Val Venus, um, like aside from the Puerto Ricans, like they were all in Puerto Rico and then they were Mexico and then they ended up in WWE. Right. Mm-hmm. So I went to Puerto Rico. I did not deserve to go there. Like, I didn't know shit, but like, I just knew that there was a hotel at the time called the Dahlia where like all the wrestlers stayed. Mm-hmm. So I went there and it was like super cheap. It was a shithole. I went there and <laughs> like got a room and then I like and with like no joke, like I went in my room, put my bags down, killed a couple centipedes. And then like when I walked back downstairs to the lobby, there was already a guy there saying, you're a wrestler. Yeah. Okay. Like uh, I'm from like WWC, like, you know, we put our guys in here and then he's like, okay. He's like, um, and I'm like, yeah, like, like do like how does this work like i don't even know how it works and he was a nice man i forget his name but he was a nice man and then uh he's like okay he's like uh, what room are you in i'm like i'm in this room and he's like okay i'll let you know and then i'm like okay let me know like what i have to do like or where i can go watch a show and then like two days later like so i just figured out well, where's the gym and whatever and then you know you'd see guys like um a guy named mustafa saeed he was a uh, new jack's partner in ecw mm-hmm. uh yep. Like, you know, he kind of looked at me and then he's just like, you know, he, like, who brought you down here? So that brought myself down. And then I was talking to him. And then uh, two days later, they're like, okay, like have your stuff ready. You're working tonight. And then wow. I'm like, okay. Yeah. So I went to the show. Um, I worked with these two guys uh, from Florida. So it was like good for the language. And then, um, so I teamed me up with a guy from Puerto Rico and then, um, I worked them and it was super cool because like, there's like real old school, like the heels and the faces don't even change in the same change room. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. Like you don't even see the guys at work. 
So like someone just come up to you and just say, okay, you're going to go like, you know, 11 minutes and this is the finish. And it was oh, like, wow. well, so you just, yeah. you just go out there and talk. Yeah. So I was telling like the, my partner at the time, like, I don't know, I don't, I don't, I think his name was Wolfredo or something, but like, I don't even know him. And then I'm just like, yeah, fuck him. Like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Like, and then he's like, yeah, no, don't worry about it. He's like, uh, so because of riots and stuff, they don't have ringside seats. So like, oh. yeah. So like the crowds, like picture like um, a high school, like a big high school gym and like, yeah. you know, when they have bleachers. So the fans are in the bleachers, but then like the, there's no ringsides. Like, I don't know if they have ringsides now, but at the time they didn't have ringsides. And then like at that moment, I was like, this is kind of weird. But then like three days later, I understood why. So uh, I did the match and it was like, I don't know. It was like, like Invader, the guy who they say killed Bruiser Brody. He was the booker. So he was all smiles to me going, oh, you're getting your chance tonight, you know? And then like, okay, like this is what I want you to do. And then I'm like, okay. Like cool, but, then, but like uh, up against a guy who does he speak English? Yeah, no, two guys. So I was in a tag team match. So my partner had broken oh, English, oh, oh, but okay. the guys I wrestled against, they were um, I don't remember the name. It was so long ago. Like uh, they were from Florida. They had like a money gimmick, like but they were good. Like they were big okay, guys. Okay, people. Like they were good, and it was like they spoke English. So it's like okay, like I'm starting off. Cause I, cause the, like my partner's like, you want to start or I start? And I'm like, no, no, let me start. Cause I'm like, I don't want to come in the ring. And then like, it's hard to call. Right. So mm-hmm. I'm like, if I could lock up with the guy, at least I could hear him. So mm-hmm. it did like, you know, like lock up, you know, push off all that stuff they were calling. And it was like, it was like the basic of the basic matches. And like, even for me, when they're like, call your offense, like I would say, call your offense. And I like, I kept it so simple because I didn't want to screw anything up. Like I didn't even call a hip toss. Like I was like, hey, drop the hole, you know, like mm-hmm. stuff yeah. like that. And then like, you know, I lied to Invader too. He's like, how many matches have you done? And I'm like, yeah, like 300, you know, like, but really at that point, it probably did like maybe 60 or 70. Right. And then, um, yeah. So, uh, you know, they knew I was the shits and then I worked like two days. And then the third day I went to the show, which was a TV taping, which I obviously knew I wasn't going to work there. Um, but I went to the show and there was a riot. So then I understood why they don't have ring side seats. Oh, like, yeah, everyone was just like shitting, like, you know, and then like the guys there were so nice though. Like they're, I wish I really like had a better memory and recollection of who they were. And I wish I was more of a wrestling fan to know, because I swear, like, it was these two guys that were like Puerto Rican from New York that like I had seen in like old ECW tapes, but I don't remember. And they were like so good to me. Like even Mustafa's like, let's go. And then there was another guy, um, Tahitian warrior. I believe, I don't know for sure. I know they're related, but I think he might be Yokozuma's brother. Oh. And like super amazing guy. Like they were teaching me so much just listening to them. Mm-hmm. Like because then, like, after, it's like, all the, like, foreigners or whatever would go for dinner. And they'd invite me and then go hang out in Mustafa's room. And, like, just listening to them was great. Um, and then 9-11 happened. Oh. Yeah. And then they're like, look, basically, like, I'm going to tell you what they said to me. But these weren't the words they used. I'm going to be honest and not use wrestling talk. Like, you're the shits. You're not worth a visa. Get the fuck out of here. Like, basically, that was what happened. Mm-hmm. You know, like, so I'm like, okay, I'm going to get out of here. And then um, that man, I forget his name, but that man who originally like knew I was there, 
the first hour I was there, um, mm -hmm. he was telling me, he's like, like, if you want to go somewhere like and really learn, and it's just easier for you. They're like, go to Mexico. And then I'm like, okay. So I flew back to Philadelphia. I didn't even make it to Toronto. Uh, I flew well, back to Philadelphia. Uh, Cause I had a flight from like San Juan to Philadelphia. Oh, okay. And then, yeah. yeah. So I went like San Juan to Philadelphia and then like ended up back in Toronto. And then I was like, okay, like, you know, like uh, the world's changing right now. Yeah, like yeah. it's going to, it's a different place. So uh, yeah. So then I was like, okay. So I just like figure out how to make some money and then like I got to head to Mexico and then that's what I did. But in the meantime, I worked some indie shows. Like I did work indie shows, like some good ones too. Like not good ones, but you know what I mean? Like, are you talking I got about in little, Ontario or yeah, in Ontario? Yeah, yeah. No, in Ontario. Okay. Like, so when I came back to Puerto Rico, I was like, uh, like, hey, like, you know, I know I'm gonna go to Mexico. It's just I don't want to like lose this kind of like fire like feeling that I have, where it's like, yeah, you know, I, yeah. I want to improve. So I worked uh, some shows in Ontario. Same guys, basically. Like, um, they put me in a tag team with uh, a guy named Matt Burns. Yeah, yeah. So I worked with him, and then. Um, yeah, but I still couldn't, like, I don't know, like, uh, how can I say it? Like, not penetrate. Like, I couldn't get in a click. Like, there's, like, all the Ontario guys that were, like, booked on every single show, you know? Uh -huh. And, like, I'll be honest, I could give a shit to work with most of them. But the one that I really wanted to work with was, um, like, Showtime Eric Young. Like, I'm a huge fan of his. Like, yeah. and I don't, I don't even think I ever met him. Like, um, but I was just, like. I just remember seeing him on the indie shows and just being like, holy shit, like, like this guy's a wrestler, you know, like, mm -hmm. um, yeah. So like he was, a, he was, I'm a fan of his and, um, I never, I never had the opportunity to work with him. Like, uh, cause I guess I couldn't like penetrate that like clickish thing. Like even when I worked for like Chris Thorne, like he'd bring in like, uh, Tyson tornado and there was a guy, Jack damage and they were great. But it was like, they're just working each other. It's like, why are you bringing them in and they're not even sharing the wealth? Like, just because they're doing dark matches, like, who gives a shit? You know? Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. So I never really, like, uh, like, even my problem to this day is um, I, I don't fit in, like, with the wrestling circle, like, in the sense of, like, the in Ontario indie scene. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, I have friends. Like, I don't have, like, heat or, like, problems with anybody. But um, it was just, like, uh, you know. I don't know. It was just like, you're kind of like thrown here. Do you, so do you have any friends um, like that you met along the way that you still keep in touch with today? Uh, no, like friends in wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so I like, so the only reason I have Instagram isn't for followers. Like I care less. It's just uh, to keep up with like what people I met in wrestling are doing. Uh, okay. So like if we're talking because we haven't gotten to the Mexico stage yet, like, mm -hmm. um, like yeah, like I talked to RJ, I talked to Tid, um, I talked to anybody. Like I talked to your husband, you know, mm -hmm. like, um, uh, and but those were people that I met like after, and like in terms of like when I first started, like who I yeah. talked to, yeah, um, uh, like once in a while, like Chris Thorne, like just a hey, how are you? Like not much, like because I'm not. Like, this is the reality of wrestling. It's like, whether people want to hear it or not, it's like out of sight, out of mind, you mm -hmm. know? Like, so, yeah. and, and I'm okay with that. Like, I don't care. Like, I I always had my friends in real life, you know? Like, yeah. so, um, 
but like guys that I met along the way, not, uh, no, I wish you could more, but like I said, like if you're not seeing people at shows and stuff and, you know, I could care less to sit there and have a conversation with somebody about the politics or the drama in Ontario indie wrestling. Mm -hmm. I mean, like there's no money, you know, like, what are you arguing about? Everyone should be loving each other. (laughs) You know, like, no, it's the truth. truth. Yeah. (laughs) I actually, like, I actually just like, I think it was like last week or two weeks ago. Cause I saw Josh, like, yeah. and I said to him, I said, you know, I said like, what do people think of me in the sense of like, was I ever bad to any of you guys? And then he's like, no, not at all. He's like, you were intimidating. And I said, well, no, like, it's not my problem. If you think I'm intimidating, like I, <laughs> did I do anything to intimidate you? And he's like, no. And I'm like, I know already, like, I'm not dumb. Like, my second go around, which we'll get to is like, you know, like meeting Josh and meeting like that crew. Like I, I, I'm huge fans of like, like, you know who I'm a humongous fan of from Ontario who who shocked me the most, uh, kingdom James. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like I like met kingdom and I'm just looking at him and I, I didn't know nothing about like his history. Like he has a deep history in wrestling. Like he Uh was around big stars. Like, I, I don't know that I'm just seeing kingdom and like, we're friendly and like, uh, I'm nothing like most wrestlers. Like I've never read a comic book in my life. So like, you know, I tease him, call him a nerd, <laughs> like, you know, like stuff like that. Like, so like, you know, and then I remember like getting booked on a show with kingdom and I'm like, okay, I don't know what to expect. You know, just like, you know, chubby guy, you know, like older guy, like whatever. And I watched this guy work and I'm like, holy shit. How is this guy not on TV? Like, I know that's maybe sounds odd to people, but like, he just blew me away. Like he's got so much more athleticism than he looks like he has. And he's got mm-hmm. such like an amazing, like mind in a sense, like, uh, where like, he's one of my favorites, but I didn't meet him until like, I was pretty much done wrestling, but yeah, I'm a huge fan of kingdom. Like I'm a big he, mark for him. Yeah. He's for sure. Smiling huge. If he's listening, which I know he should be listening. <laughs> yeah. Like every, well, every couple months, every couple months, like I'll just like message him and just be like, are you okay? You know, like, you know, how you doing and stuff like that. Like I actually like, like him, you know what I mean? Like, um, yeah. like He's uh, good people. He's very good people. Yeah. But I mean, like, I, I understand it too. It's like with the out of sight, out of mind is like real. Like, it's like, if you're not like invested in and involved in like everything that's going on, you just kind of forgotten about it. Right. Yeah. So it's like, and I'm okay with that. Like, I don't really want to hang around a wrestling show anyways. Like, so, um, yeah, but I just like was hoping that like, that's why when I asked Josh, that, I was like, I just hope that, you know, like I was like positive towards people. Like I, like I'm fans of like quite a few people like from Ontario that like, mm-hmm. I don't even talk to or have relationships with, but, uh, to go back to what you originally asked me is like, um, no, nah, I don't really like talk to that many people. Like from when I first started, like not in a negative way, it's just, you grow apart. Like some guys, I don't even know if they're, what they're doing. Yeah. And you know what? That's, that's totally okay. Like it's, yeah. there's nothing in the books saying that you have to make friends and you know, stuff like that. What about like, yeah, during I, that- I don't think I made enemies. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> yeah i don't think i did oh well like i still sleep well so (laughs) yeah so then so then along the way were you in like groups of like people that you would hang out with let's say like after the show would you go out and hang out with a certain group Uh, okay so this is like pre-mexico so like uh like i said I i teamed with um 
with Matt Burns. So like he lived like not too far from where I live. So we drive together quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to think who else, like, uh, like Hornet, um, Mikey Mad Rocks. Uh, like we kind of like hung out, uh, like, yeah, like you go for like eating stuff like that, but like socially, uh, not really. Like, I'll be honest with you. Like I never felt like I fit in in a way where it's kind of like, like I said, like, I'm not saying all wrestlers do this. I never read a comic book in my life. Um, the wrestling change room to me was like, like I am, I don't know. Okay. So I'm going to get racial here, but like, um, I'm maybe to you, I'm white, but like, um, growing up in like the neighborhood, like I grew up in is like, I wasn't really white. You know what I mean? Like, so like, it was just a bunch of white guys like that, like, it gave me like kind of like PTSD flashbacks of like the people I'd get in fights with all throughout high school, you know, oh. Oh. like, no, like not in a bad way, but like, it was just like, I don't drink like, you know, I like, um, if I'm going to party, I'm very private, like with who I'm doing that around. So it was like when all the guys would like go to someone's house and get drunk, it was like, for me, it's like, what the fuck am I going to go there and do that? For? You know, like, I don't even trust these guys. Like, what if something happens? You know, like you're, I only know these such guys. A, from, you're an interesting person. Like no, oh. no, but like no, I like I, I know my I got like it was just weird. It was like you know what it is. It was like I I didn't come from a wrestling school of forty guys and then you all go on the road together. Yeah. So it was like I, I was on my own. So it was like yeah. anyone I met was just like meeting them. Like it was like not like I didn't have anybody to like from you know like to say okay this guy's got my back. And then another thing too is like you see it not in a violent way but you see like there's politics when there's no money. Like, so imagine where like there's money, you know what I mean? Like, so, and it's actually the opposite. The truth is the opposite where there's money. This is like politics doesn't affect you as much, but like, it was kind of like, well, why can't I get a chance? I look better than everyone on your fucking roster. And then it's just mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, well, we just don't have room but because they don't have the balls to tell you the truth to say, nobody likes you or trusts you here, you know, like, and that's what the reality is, but you hear it much later. Or you figure it out much later. So it's not like a malice thing. It's not like people are like, oh, I don't like this guy. But it's kind of like, oh, who's he? You know, like, uh, he looks a little bit too in shape. You know, like, he looks like maybe he can break my ankle. You know, like, or maybe he's just the shits. You know, like, there's too much of that. It's just like, how are you? Like, I, I tell people are not in the business all the time saying, like, the best wrestler in the world could probably be pumping gas. Because he never got an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what I feel like is real. So it was like, there were all those clicks. Like, I remember asking Thorne, hey, book me against uh, Tyson. And then it'd just be like, you know, like I could learn something from him. Because when you're wrestling people that are at your level or even below you, you're never going to learn. You know, and it's just yeah. like, uh, no, I got him booked against this guy. And it's like, yeah, but everyone's watched him work that fucking guy like 40 times. You know, like, yeah. and then it's like, why don't you just tell the truth and just say like, he doesn't want to work with you. So even mm-hmm. if that's not true, that's what I'm going to take from him. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, so it's like, I don't have like resentment. It's just acceptance. So it's just like one of those things where it's like, okay, like, like move on. And then, like I said, like just socially going to people's houses and getting drunk isn't like something that I would normally do. Like, unless it was with like a bunch of people, like, you know, you trust. Yeah. Cause like I said, like growing up, like in high school and stuff like that, it was like, all like the the jocks, like bars and stuff like that. If we'd walk in there, we'd just be fighting them all the time, you know? Like, so 
and kind of get that PTSD flashback where it's like, oh, I'm just going to end up fighting all these guys. Forget it. You know, can, <laughs> like, I, can I ask you what area you grew up in? Uh, so I grew up originally like uh, Chester Lee. And then like uh, I moved to Markham like uh, for high school. Chester Lee. Where's Chester Lee? Chester Lee's like uh, VP in like Finch. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then like before that was like, uh, like always like Scarborough area, but like it was very multicultural, like where I grew up. You know, yeah. It was like hard yeah. to find white. It was hard to find real white people. Like it was <laughs> like, it was all like Europeans and like a lot of Jamaicans, Asians, you know, like that's even the way we grew up. And then even yeah. going to high school, like when I moved to Markham, I'm like, okay, let's see what the deal is with Markham. So like I have an it's Italian background. <laughs> well, at the time it was like there were Asians, but it wasn't like predominantly Asian. But like, you know, like when I went to high school, like I have Italian background. So there was like quite a bit of Italians there. But then it was like, well, what part of Italy are you from? And then it's like, okay, if you're not Sicilian, then it's like you hang around. So when people would say to me, oh, you went to high school with all Italians. I was like, yeah. But I said like, it was only like kind of 11 of us that weren't like Sicilian. So we weren't necessarily like part of the group, you know, like, but in my high school, everyone was cool. Like whether it be like the Jamaicans, the Asians and like my friends to this day, like, which I think prepared me, which I'll get to in going to Mexico was um, like to this day, it's like, we have like a barbecue or like, um, you know, it's, it's a mix. Like there's, you know, Jamaican people, there's Asian people, there's different euros, you know, like, there's mm -hmm. probably not a lot of white people, but like, that's kind of like the way I grew up. And I think that, uh, like nothing wrong with it. It was just like, um, I think that's what kind of prepared me. Like, even I think culturally, like, um, like I have like a lot of Asian friends. So, you know, when they have a baby, like the hundredth day is like a huge deal. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. So like, you know, I'm getting invited to go to like these dinners and stuff like Aww. that. And then like, see the way they do it. And then, you know, like then like even for like, other Europeans or Italians like to hang out with. It's like, you know, like we have like baptism stuff and like you go and it's just like, see all the people you grew up with. And it's like a big multicultural fest, you know, mm -hmm. like, so uh, even like growing up in Chester Lee, like I played hockey, like I played ice hockey, but like my ice hockey team, like, which is a predominantly white sport was like, I was the whitest guy on the team, you know, like, so, <laughs> so moving to Markham, it was like, you notice like, okay, uh, you know, the football player, the football team was like predominantly like black and white guys. Right. And then it was like, um, you know, like the hockey team was like more white guys. Like I was no way I was going to make that hockey team. Like they were amazing, you know, like, so like everyone was kind of friends, but it was like, almost like, okay. Like when you're young and full of testosterone, just fighting and doing dumb guy stuff, it's like, yeah. you know, you kind of get sectioned off. So I didn't, I'm not saying in any way I wanted to fight anybody like that. I met wrestling or maybe I did a couple of them, but like, not because of like the way they were, it was just, you're not going to break into a click. It's just not going to happen. Like, I don't know how it is now, but at the time it was very hard. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to understand, like, where did you learn? Like, especially during high school and basically at a young age, where do you learn to just, you know, what am I trying to say? Like, I don't want to say not trust easily, but like, kind of like look out for yourself. Like, how well, do you... you have no, you have no choice. It's just like, I don't know. Like, uh, how did I learn? I, I understand the question. I know it's hard to word because like the like... wrestling, the wrestling business is messed up. Well, let's just be real. Um, especially like back then, um, when I started yeah. out in 2003, 
Like it was messed up. So even for you starting much earlier, like I could only imagine. Yeah. Like I also learned like some of that from like, um, from Don Kolov, like he prepared me more mentally than, than physically in a sense where it was like, you know, even like little things like pay your taxes, you know, <laughs> like we went over everything. Like it wasn't so much like we do training two hours, three days a week, but then we'd go for dinner and we'd stay there four hours. And that's where I feel like I learned a lot to prepare me. Um, the only thing was like, uh, I was maybe a little naive where like, it wasn't so much of a not trusting. It was like, I'm going to give you hundred percent trust. And then like, let's see what you do with it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you just know, like, I don't know, like I'm not overly sensitive. So it's not that, you know, I was overthinking things like, you know, when you walk into a room and there's a vibe that you're not like a hundred percent welcome yet. Like, do you understand yes. that? Yep. Like, totally. Okay. So it's like when you're constantly having that, like, I'll never forget like someone, I forget who it was. Like, but don't get me wrong. There are great people too. Like I remember like uh, a guy, uh, he wrestled as Ricky Stardust. He was cool with me. Like he was like one of the first guys like I ever worked with when like I started working for Chris Jury. And it was like, he was cool with me. And then he's like, you know, he's like, you know, I don't know how you make extra money because the pay shit. I'm like, how? He's like, just make t-shirts. They're cheap. So I'm like, okay. So I made t-shirts, right? And then I'm like, okay. So people got to like wear these to know that they exist. So I like, offered a couple guys i'm like hey you want one of my t-shirts like just to wear to the gym or something and they're like keep it don't want your shit you know and i was just like okay no but it was like okay like so now i know where you stand but then the funny thing is is like i went and made a couple bucks in this business and then it's like you come back around and then they're like hey buddy you want to wear my shirt and i'm like i'm not like and like i'm not a dick so i'm like yeah give me your shirt i don't care i'll wipe my ass with it you know like whatever like (laughs) so you know, cause you don't forget, but I'm like, I don't want to be small and then like, just ignore it. You know what I mean? Like, so, um, it, it is hard. Like, and you're right. Like, it, uh, back then, especially, I think, I don't know now it's so hard to talk, but I'll, I'll give you an example. When I came back to Ontario, like after Mexico, it mm-hmm. was very different than it was before. Like how long, uh, how long were you in Mexico for? Uh, straight seven years. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's seven, a big difference. <laughs> six, seven years. Yeah. It was a difference. Like, um, like, I don't know, like, I'm not like, it wasn't bad. I don't know. Like, I don't feel like there was bullying. Like I'm sure there was, there was a lot of dramatics, like, you know, like who are we going to pick on now? Like, who's the heel, you know, like, Oh, this guy said this, fuck him. You know, like there was a lot of that stuff, but I'll be honest with you. Like I didn't get involved in anything like uh, maybe a little bit of the heat I brought upon myself. Like, um, I remember one time in particular, like we're working this show and like, I'm partially to blame for this. So like, as you know, as I've gone over with you, I'm very low tech. So like, imagine how I was back then, you know, like, so there was a show and then it was like, okay, this is where the show is. And then I'm like, okay. So like find the directions and I was driving, you find the directions and then you're like, okay, so you're timing it out. And I could have been more responsible and. And been like, you know, an hour even earlier. So we get, I get lost and then like finally get to the show and like walking in and I'm driving Matt Burns. So I feel like, oh man, I hope I didn't fuck this up for you, you know, like for him. And I walk in the promoters, like, you know, you're late, just go home. And then I'm like, yeah, but I'm like, sorry, man, I got lost. And then he's like, and this is like real. 
Uh, and I only remember this, to be honest, because RJ reminded me of it because someone told RJ the story. Um, I'm like, I don't know. I got lost. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I know like it's bad. I'm late. Like take half my pay, whatever you want. Like, just don't fucking tell me to go home. He's like, no, go home. I don't give a shit. You're late. Fuck it. Go home. And then I'm like, you know what? You little fucking cocksucker. I'm like, I should fucking <laughs> kill you. Like I should fucking choke you out right now. Like, and he's like, oh, what are you saying? Like, you know, he's saying, what did you say? But he's stumbling backwards. And I was just like, go fuck yourself. And then like, I was just like, sorry, like the burns. And he's like, it's okay. And the guy's like, haven't you ever heard of map quest? Like, no, I haven't, you know, <laughs> like I really haven't, you know, like I, I don't know. <laughs> and there was a couple guys on the show that RJ ended up working with in like Buffalo that were like, Oh, that fucking Rico guy's fucked. I heard him fucking telling the fucking promoter. And I'm like, no, that's not me. Like, I'm not a dick, you know, like, well, I'm partially a dick, but like, it was one of those things where I was like, man, I got lost. It took me three hours to get to this place. Now I got to go home. Like, I'm definitely mm. not here for the $20 fucking pay, you know, yeah. like, so, you know, it was one of those things where it was like, you know, that didn't help me either. But uh, I think overall, I wasn't like a bad person to anyone. And I was cooperative. And I remember like working for Chris Thorne, I would drive two hours up to his house to like use the ring in the backyard. And he would say, hey, like, do you want to come flyer with me? And I'm like, yeah, you know, like, I'll do it, you know, like, and then even when I went to Manitoba, like I worked on the ring crew and did all that stuff. And I just found like, and not to shit on Ontario because I'm from here, but it was always like a, a, like a bad vibe. Like, it's almost like, you know how like the rest of Canada looks at Toronto? Like we were stuck up. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way Ontario wrestling was, you know, like, it's kind of like, think you're better. Like, you know, it's just like, there's this tension like in the air there, but it didn't deter me. You described that perfectly. Actually. And it's funny because no one made any fucking money here. You know what I mean? Like, it was like, you guys are fucking marks, like the biggest fucking marks. Like, you know, and I don't care. Anyone listening gets offended by it and tell me to fuck off. I don't know. Like, tell me I'm a bad guy on Twitter. Like, I don't give a shit. You know, like, it's just the truth. You know, like. Like now in Ontario wrestling, the only drama is um it's like between promotions where they're like oh i'm not gonna i'm not gonna book you here because you're working for them over there that's the stupid crap that's going on okay see part of that like i don't technically disagree with because like if you're seeing the same face all the time and that's what my beef was back then it was like okay like these guys like okay i'm not picking on them when i say it but like tyson versus tornado was on every indie show in ontario Mm -hmm. Great matches they had, you know, whatever, like they're good wrestlers, you know, uh, but like, why not put someone else in there? Like, if you're seeing the same person, like the whole goal, if you're a promoter is to draw. Well, how are you going to draw if you have the same people? Like, why? Okay, why am I going to drive to Oshawa to watch you wrestle when I can just skip this weekend and go the next weekend to, I don't know, Toronto and just watch the same match? Are we talking about the same match, like the same people that they always put yeah, together? Yeah, like that's what the Ontario was back then. Like, so like if back then, like a promoter said to me, you know what, you work for, I don't know, uh, XFL or whatever, like the makeup promotion, you work for them. So like, I'm not going to book you because you're just always working for them. So there's no point in me having you here. You know, like I wouldn't take offense to that. Like, I would just be like, okay, like 
it's it becomes a problem if it's like I don't like this person, so because you work for them, you can't work here. See, that's interesting because mm-hmm. I think I think with your personality, like I, mm-hmm. yeah, I get that for you, and, it, and yeah. you're not wrong. Mm-hmm. But then, if you look at it, let's I'll I'll, I'll put myself as an example. Yeah, if you look at it. I was only working for one company, right? So this is when I came mm-hmm. back. So I was just mm-hmm. managing for one company that yeah. was in, also in Toronto. Mm-hmm. This place is Etobicoke, so pretty much Toronto. Toronto, but, yeah. Yeah. Second, yeah. I was in a faction, right? Mm-hmm. Which all those three guys were booked mm-hmm. at this show. Yeah, so that's stupid. So I was told that, I wouldn't be booked because there's just too much uh, similarities. And like, what? Uh, I'm just thinking, what? What the hell are you talking about? First of all, these three guys aren't even working together. Like, they're not even together. They're they're all singles guys. They're doing their own yeah. thing. So mm-hmm. why would booking me be like the most terrible thing in the world like you don't think i can play different characters like that's that's what i mean when i'm talking about like yeah i understand looking for work right what happened to you was like what i kind of said earlier it was a nicer way of saying i don't want you around or i don't want to pay you (laughs) like that's what happened you know like you're right that's just the way it is like because no one's going to tell you the truth that's the most frustrating thing of the wrestling business no one will come up to you and say you're shit like, get out of here. Like, I, I will never book you. Don't ever call me again. No one will ever tell you that. They're always just going to smile at you and say, uh, you know, like, next time. Or, yeah, I got to, like, tell, let me talk to this guy. Like, who do you got to talk to? Like, who do you have to talk to to give me $25? You know? Like, <laughs> who? Like, who? When you, you know, like. When you talk about pay like that, it's just, it's freaking hilarious. Well, I'm it's true. Get, like, you don't yeah. really think about that. But then it's no. like, yeah. For 24 bucks. Exactly what it is. So like, but this is my whole thing. And like, um, okay. So like going to Mexico and like having, do you want me to talk about that? Yeah. 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 Okay. Cause then yeah, it'll let's, make let's, sense. Let's go do it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it'll make sense to what I'm saying now. So, okay. So after I worked Ontario shows, by the way, I had a really good match with Highlander Robbie, who wasn't like in WWF at the time. Like it was before mm. he went there. Yeah. Like, so that was like, we were kind of like uh, the reject crew in a sense. It was like uh, Eddie Osborne would book me who he was extra, like extra good to me, like really good to me. Like, um, but yeah, so from there I did the Ontario shows. Then I went to Mexico. So I showed up in Mexico, same way I showed up everywhere else. Didn't know anything, didn't know the language. And then the hugest mistake I made was I know nothing about Mexican culture. I know nothing about like important dates. I show up like a moron the night before Independence Day. So there is not a hotel room to be found in the whole city. Oh, no. Like nothing. So I'm just like, I'm not going to out this person, but I'm going to tell the story. So like there was a guy who was working in Mexico that I knew. And I said to him, like, hey, um, can you give me like an address? You know, like something like I don't need you to call them for me. Like, can you just give me? And he's like, nope, I'm not giving you anything. Like, I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to be responsible for like what happens to you there. I said, no, no I'm not going to say I know you. I just need to know where to go. Nope, not going to say anything. Okay. So I land in Mexico City, uh, get in a taxi, and then I'm like, take me to like CMLL head office. <laughs> Guy's <laughs> like, okay. Because then he like, takes me to Arena, Mexico. And then I just like walked in there. Like 
there's like it's it's a huge arena it's like basically like the carbon copy of the madison square garden so like there's like 80 entrances and like you don't know which one to go in like you go in the garage and it's like that's just where the fans park you know like Mm -hmm. uh i didn't know where to go so it took me like an hour to navigate like with a luggage in my hand like how to get around and then i finally like get in and they're like there was one girl there who spoke english and she's like you know like what do you what do you want and i said well i want to wrestle and she's like well you know like who sent you here i said i sent myself and then she's just like okay she's talking she's like you know today is like uh whatever the eve of independence day which is a huge deal and i'm like well well i don't know like what hotel should i stay at like close by and they're like you're not getting a hotel and then i'm like i'm not like no so then um she was very nice though and she took me to um she set me up with uh Ringo Starr was like a huge, like he's a very old man, but like he was like a big mm-hmm. star. So he bought up a bunch of apartments in Mexico City in like the worst area. Like I'm talking, there's TV shows on Amazon Prime about do not go to this area. Okay. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. So it's called Tepito. And how um, old were you? How old were uh, you? I was like 23. Oh geez. Okay. Yeah. I think like yeah, around there. Yeah, in my early 20s. So I went there. So a, a guy picked me up who's like kind of an agent. And then like he drove me there, which was very nice of him because he didn't put me in a cab. And then I go there and then I go to this apartment. And it's like a really long apartment with like seven or eight rooms in there where guys wouldn't like live there. But like, say like, I don't know, they have to be in Mexico City for whatever reason. They were too cheap to like pay the 25 bucks for a hotel. They mm-hmm. would just stay at Ringo's or maybe they had a relationship with him. I don't know. But I went there and it was just like, go walking up the stairs. You just hear this fucking dog barking, barking, barking. And I'm looking around and I'm like, like, you know, I'm not pub, like, I'm not like into like that whole scene or like drug scene or nothing like that. Like, but you're looking around, you're like, oh yeah, you can get killed here easily. Like I just kind of get that vibe. So I'm like, okay. So like hear the dog barking. I'm like, that's obviously the drug house, you know, like, (laughs) and then like, I'm like, okay, so I'm staying here. And then I walk in there and it was just disgusting. Like, um, like just sitting on that toilet seat was like there was bugs everywhere. Like oh. you know, like well, think about it. There's a bunch of guys that don't live there but are t- staying in the rooms. So how well is people maintaining that? You know what I mean? Like yeah. So you know, I stayed there uh, at the beginning, and then I could go to the arena, and then I'm hooked up with a guy named Memo Diaz. Um, and then he's like, yeah, he's like, I do the training. So like I went and trained with him and then they liked my look and stuff like that. And then I went and trained with him and the training there is like a huge work. Like anyone who's been to Mexico, like we do the training. It's like, they kill you. Mm-hmm. So I did the training, met a lot of the guys. I was working out. It was very cheap to live there. Like very affordable. I didn't have a lot of money and like, you know, like I know my parents love me and stuff like that, but like. My dad works like 16, 18 hours a day. Like I can't ask him for money because I want to be a wrestler. You know what I mean? Like it's like, go get a job. So it's like, okay, but like you're getting hot food in Mexico for like five, six dollars a day. And I got sick like real bad. And I couldn't explain to the pharmacist what was wrong with me because I didn't know Spanish. So I was spending like money I didn't have on the wrong medication. Oh, no. And yeah, there was a man who like would see me like basically looking paler than like the undertaker in the nineties, you know, like walking up and down the street and he's just like, you know, like, and he spoke a little bit of English. He's like, what's wrong. I'm like, this is what's happening. Like it's bad. And then like, 
took me to the pharmacy, got me the right medication. So I got that. And then like went, did the training, uh, that worked out for me. And then, uh, memo ran a lot of house shows for, uh, in Mexico city and like Estado de Mexico, it's like the outskirts, um, for CMLL, like just all the house shows. Mm -hmm. So just to put in perspective for you, there's about a hundred shows a week happening just in Mexico city. And yeah. And, um, and like, let's say maybe 15 of them are like, like garbage flea market shows. So there's about like 85 well-paid, well, like, you know, packed houses a week. Wow. That's just, in, that, and that's just in like the city and like a style of the maple. I don't know now I'm talking about then. Yeah. So I'm sure it's the same now. Yeah. So like, there's that going on. So Memo's like, okay, like bring your stuff and then like, we'll see what happens. So I'm like, okay. So, um, I caught a break where it was like someone missed the flight, didn't make the show. So they're like, okay, you're going in now before I'm going in, this is what they started to tell me. Cause I was going to that training. I was dying. Cause you gotta think Mexico city, the altitude alone, it takes mm-hmm. a while to adjust to that. Like you blow your nose is black. Like, so, oh. you know, I was work cause like a lot of pollution and the altitude is so high. So it's like hard mm-hmm. to breathe. Right. So, yeah, you know, I'm working my ass off. I'm like, you know, flying around like Ray Mysterio. Like I went down there. I was about like probably like two fifteen, and like after a month of training, I was like one ninety. Like I just like losing weight. Like I couldn't keep weight on because like, you know, I got the like Montezuma's revenge or whatever for like a week, <laughs> and then like you know just training. And like all my life was was like, uh, like wrestling, and then um, I would learn Spanish by myself because they would have like shows like friends and will and grace and all that stuff mm. it, w- it would be on like three or four times a day like the same episode oh okay. and they would sp- <laughs> but no they would speak in english but then they would have like spanish subtitles yeah so like i bought notebooks and i would just like chandler would say this and i remember from the first episode okay like you got to time it so i'm writing down the right stuff like what he said so like that was all my life was it was like i'd work out you know like do the wrestling training uh, which was like torture. And then uh, I would like basically like try and force myself to learn Spanish. Cause I'm like, if I don't learn, I'm probably going to get killed. And then so you, like, basi- it was like- you basically learned Spanish from the same episodes. Is that how you taught yourself? Yeah. Like Will and Grace, uh, Friends. Um, uh, I forget what other show, maybe like ER or one of those old shows. And then there were shows that are like American, but like no one even knows have ever heard of them. Like all the garbage they probably sent there. So like, uh, I was learning like, yeah, basically like friends, will and grace, like mainly those shows were what taught me, but that was like my job. And then like, I will pat myself on the back for this three months later, I was like speaking 70%, uh, a a year, (laughs) a a year later I could read and write. Holy, I, I would fuck up with the accents. Like I remember like someone asking me like how like how long I wrestled for and like I was like saying like oh I've been wrestling for four assholes and like <laughs> and, and like because like okay so uh, like I would tell you like anyo is year ano is asshole right oh, so I'd be okay. like four assholes so the guy's like talking to me and I'm saying four assholes four assholes and everyone's laughing <laughs> and I couldn't figure it out so I had to learn the accents but I'm I I do pat myself on on the back for that because like um it was a game changer for me and I'll get into more why it was, but my first match ever was due to someone missing their flight. 
and before that, when I was asking like Memo and other guys, like, hey, when am I going to get to work? Like, when am I going to get a, like a chance in the ring? And they were like, look, this is the problem with you. They're like, you know, we can't put you in like the second match, but you're not good enough to be in the semi-main or main event. So uh, just so people actually understand, because everyone thinks they know about like Lucha Libre, it's like there's five matches on every show and your placing on the card matters. It's oh. not like random. It's like mm-hmm. if you're a semi-main guy, you're a semi-main guy. If you're a main guy, you're a main guy. Um, you know, the opening match is like the opening match. And then like the second match is usually like either females or like the minis, like the midgets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, and like every there's a story, like the whole show is a story. So it was semi-main. And like I'm I'm thinking the whole time, like, okay, I'm a foreigner. So like they were telling me like some guys are saying like don't wear a mask because then like you know you could say you're a foreigner but are you really a foreigner and then other guys were like wear a mask because you make money off it and then so anyways that day i had no mask and they're like you're gonna be a baby face and you're working like these guys now i think the good thing was i didn't know who anyone really was down there like i obviously because he's canadian i knew who vampiro was mm-hmm. and then um you know, like I knew like some of the old WCW guys, like uh, like the Vianos, like I knew who they like, you know, you heard of them and stuff. But like my first match was like with royalty and like I didn't even know who they were. And I think it was like a good thing. Like because wow, yeah. I, I, like, I wasn't really like, but I also wasn't nervous because I was just like my whole mentality and everything I did with wrestling was like, if I don't make it, I'm still young enough where I have a life. So it's like, I don't want to be strung along. It's like, if I'm the shits and I'm not going to make money at doing this, I'll just go get a job. You know, like, I don't know what kind of job, but I'll just figure something out. Right. Mm -hmm. So I did the match. I did what these fuckers trained me to do. (laughs) And I walk in the back and everyone shit on me. Like everybody shit on me. Like, 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 and I'm talking like, I didn't really know like this isn't like some indie show like you're walking in the back and people are telling you this this is like guys that like are serious like they're doing this for a living like I'm talking Negro Cassis, Blue Panther, you know, uh, Ultimo Guerrero, Ray Bucanero like all these guys that are like huge stars are like shitting on me but I don't know who they are and they're like who the fuck do you think you are Ray Mysterio <laughs> like I'm like hold on none of you spoke English before the match now you can all tell me I'm an asshole you know in English but yeah they were shitting on me and then I'm like, well, what's going on? So um, Mex- I'm sure you know, like a lot of people know, like Mexico and, and Japan have like a huge like boyfriend-girlfriend relationship. They love each other. Like, so there's always Japanese guys in Mexico and there's always Mexicans in, in Japan. Mm-hmm. So like the Japanese guys like speak English. And like there was one uh, great guy, Veneno, Panamanian guy, like he spoke English well as well. And they're going to me like, yeah, they're basically telling you, like, you know, you're like a foreigner. Like, you're like, you're just supposed to do like kick punch, clothesline, you know, like that kind of stuff. They're like, no one needs to see you trying to be like us. You know, like it was like, you're not, that's not what you're here for. And I'm like, but no one ever fucking told me what I'm here for. But like I said earlier, wrestling's weird. No one tells you shit, you know, like, mm. so why would you make me, you know, like five hours a day almost die? you know, flying around, running all over the place, doing all this stuff. And then when it comes to like the day where like people are actually going to see this, they say, don't do that. Like, does that make any sense? That's why I say it's a huge work. It's a big work. So I did that match. And then um, 
I guess they were kind of happy, like, because then they, you know, I started to work, like, I was, like, say maybe, like, two, three times a week. And, like, the cool thing was, like, at the time, like, I don't mind talking money because, like, whatever, like, I'm not in the business now, so it doesn't matter. And I'm not bragging. I'm just, you know, like, you're working the indie shows, you're making, like, 20 bucks if you're lucky. And then it's, like, your first payout is, like, 150 U.S. dollars. And then you're like, wow, like I'm stepping it up. But like at the same time, I'm getting ripped off because like if I was like a regular in that spot, based on the amount of people that were there, I'd probably be walking out of there with like three to five hundred dollars. But mm-hmm. I'm not complaining. So I'm getting an opportunity. I'm not a mark. I'm not working for free, you know, like so it's all good. So mm-hmm. I'm getting these shows. I'm getting these shows. And then um, just like luck and opportunity. But then like. You get introduced to other promoters and I wasn't signed with anybody at the time. So it wasn't like I had to be loyal. The only rule that they told me was like, I couldn't work triple H based shows. So like I can work any independent show or CMLL Mm -hmm. show, but if I cross over and work triple A shows, then like, it's kind of like what we talked about earlier. Like the stuff that's not good is like promoters saying, Hey, if you work there, you can't work here. It was kind of like that. So I was like, I'm like, I'm fine with this. So like I would go work like um now yeah, but is that sorry, is that because like they're the two really big companies? So you, well, they kind of they kind of treat it like you know WWF and WCW type thing. Yeah, and I also think that it's a little more personal. Like um like AAA basically was like guys that branched off from CMLL. Like they just oh. left CML and opened AAA. Like, oh, like, okay, like okay. Anto- Antonio Pena was an employee of CMLL for many years. Maybe, I don't know for sure, maybe even a partner. And then he kind of left, but he took some top stars with him, right? So it, it's like there's two sides of the tracks, like AAA and CML. And like there's a lot of like the Mexican guys that go back and forth, like the same way like WCW, WWF, but like. Mm. Um, I, I don't know. At the time for me, it was just like, I just want to work. So, mm-hmm. um, I, I went and had a meeting with like the owner of another company called IWRG, which is like arena now Kalpen. And then he's like, okay, like, uh, he's like, yeah, I'll use you. He's like, you know, you have a show here Thursdays and Sundays. So he's like, I'll try you out and then I'll let you know. He's like, but I want you to wear a hood. And I'm like, I don't care. You know, like, so I wore a hood and then they called me steel man too who like <laughs> steel number one was like Val Venus. Oh, wow. So I guess like, yeah. And then like, uh, I didn't even know that until after, but like, uh, so I did that. And then like working with a hood was like a horrible experience. Like I didn't like it at all. Like the fucking thing turned sideways. And like, I was resting <laughs> against the, I was resting against the Vianos and they called for like a double backdrop. And I'm like, but I can't even fucking see. I'm like, Oh, I'm going to break my neck. And then like, you know, and then they were like, they were very nice people. Like they're like excellent men. Like, all of them and like uh i know one of them arturo he just passed away so condolences to his family but like they're great people like they would teach me like look if you want to get comfortable in smash the only way to do it is to walk around your room with it on you know like just kind of live with it Mm. and then but i only wore that hood like for them and then um and then i had like a humongous learning experience so i was gone for it was under a year and a half but like you figure september to like the following christmas so mm-hmm. I was like, I was getting like steady work and like I was making money and living like not making good money, but let's see, I make 150 bucks, you know, like a night. And it's like, you know, so cheap to live over there. So I was like, you know, you're resting like five shows a week. Like everything was like, I thought going well for me. And then like I had my gimmick with the mask and then I had like, you know, no mask, baby face gimmick. 
Um, and like you, I'm working with these humongous stars, which I'm learning like, okay, these guys are the real deal. And then, um, and then I'm like, fuck, I just want to go home for Christmas. I just want to see my family and stuff like that. So, uh, like I told them, like, I'm going home for Christmas and then they're like, yeah, go ahead. Have fun. Like, everything's great. And like wrestling is bullshit. So I come home for Christmas. I go back like 10 days later and they completely blackballed me. Oh no. Like, yeah. And then I'm like, and then like, luckily, like, like I had some friends, so they told me the truth and they're like, I'm like, why the fuck am I not getting work? I'm like, like what happened? And then someone said to me, they're like, well, why do you leave? And then I said, well, what do you mean? I left. Like, I want to go see my family. Like, they don't care about your family. It's business. They're like, Christmas season is like the hottest. You could have been working two shows a day. So Jeez. I was like, okay, I learned. But at the same time, because I guess like I'm a salty prick. I'm like, all right, I figured out a little bit of the way the system works. I don't need Mexico City. So I'm like, fuck it. So whenever I'd have days off, the closest beach town was Acapulco. So I used to go to Acapulco and hang out there. So I'm like, well, if I'm not working, why am I going to hang around here? So I just mm -hmm. packed my shit and I went to Acapulco. So I'll just live on the beach until they get over the fact that, you know, like I'm not blackballed anymore or they just never use me. Mm -hmm. Like, or I'm just done. So I went to Acapulco and then when I was there, I'm like, oh, I know that they have an arena there. So one day I went to the arena. I just took a cab to the arena. I went in there and I was watching them train. And uh, uh, one of the guys who's like teaching over there, he's like, I know who you are. And then, uh, so, you know, like Alberto Del Rio. Yeah. So I struck up a pretty good friendship with him. And I know like he's really good friends with uh, Liz Mark Jr. He was in WCW as well. Uh, and he's from Acapulco. So I was like, you know, like I said, yeah, I worked with Liz Mark before and I was talking to the guy there. And then uh, he's like, okay. He's like, we're, we have a show every Wednesday and Sunday. Like, you want to work? Like, yeah. They're like, well, it's not the same money as Mexico City. I'm like, I don't care. I'll work. So I worked there. And then I met someone who kind of changed my life, like, in a good way. Um, there's a family called the Peniche family down there. Mm -hmm. So to me, they have the ultimate family because there's, like, eight siblings. And, like, what I mean by ultimate family is, like, I think like two of them are lawyers. One of them is an accountant. One owns a travel business. One owns this other business. Like you, if you, you know, like if you're opening a business, you need an accountant, a lawyer and like whatever. Right. Well, they have it all like in-home family. So one of the brothers is like, I'm into wrestling. So he's like, I want you to work exclusively for me. And then I'm like, okay, what's that mean? And he's like, well, any shows that are in the state of Guerrero, he's like, you're going to work for me. So I'm like, okay. I'm like, how's this work? So he's like, I'm going to pay you a thousand dollars a week and you work for me. I don't care where else you go work, but when I need you, you work for me first. So wow. yeah, I signed a deal with him. So he's paying me a thousand bucks a week and I was working for him. And then a lot of his shows, like uh, he'd use guys like, you know, if the Mexico city guys, he wasn't using local guys, like you need to draw. So he'd be booking like Mystico and those guys junior who's Alberto Del Rio, like all those guys. So then they're like, Hey, what are you doing down here? Like to me. And then I'm like, well, you know, fuck, I got blackballed in Mexico City. So I just came over here. And then like, oh, smart. So I was working the shows and like, I'm not going to toot my own horn, but like in Mexico, like when I worked there, like I was in like, I think I was in like great shape. Um, and I had an exotic look. So like a lot of like kids and females liked me. And that was the hardest thing to draw down there. Right. Mm. so this paniche guy kind of used me as that draw where he's like i'm not gonna put you in the main event because like that was when mystical really took off 
So he's like, those guys are there, but he's like, I'm going to keep you semi-main. So he kept me semi-main and majority of the time, my tag partners were like Del Rio and like, I don't know if you ever heard of him, like super porky. No, or like porky. Yeah. He was in like WWF for a bit. His sons are like humongous stars in AAA now, but mm. porky, his family, like they're called the Brazos, like the arms. So they're like a family of four and they kind of run the wrestling union down there where it's like, if you want to book somebody, you contact them and then like they get you bookings. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So it's like, um, so being in with them is like huge. So, mm. so Porky was like, cause my partner's often, he's like, oh, you know, like the kids really like you. Like the girls are liking you. Like you're, you're, they would have a thing where you don't sell your own pictures, but after the shows they do Polaroids for 10 bucks. So like mm-hmm. if like they pick me, it was like, I get five, the promoter gets five. Mm-hmm. So like they would do that with certain guys. And then he's like, you know, like, I think it's good. And then he's like, come like, you know, he's like, next time you're in Mexico city, he's like, come by the office, call me. So I went right back to Mexico city, like right away. And then I'm like, and then uh, I called like Del Rio. And I said like, Hey, like, I'm going to go to Sindicato. Like, can you bring me in? So he brought me right in there and like said, like, you know, this guy's good. Like, fuck whatever. Like, you know, like no one even cared about like the fact that I went home for Christmas at that point, but like, he's like, get this guy work. So then they were getting me work too. So I had my guarantee of like a thousand dollars a week, as long as I didn't miss those shows that are in Guerrero. Yeah. And I was free to do whatever else I wanted. So like in a year, I make $52,000 a year from one guy, like just one guy. And I'd probably work like, I don't know, maybe like 80 matches for him, you know, like a year. Yeah. And then like the coolest stuff was like, now I'm getting booked nationally. So I was like, I'm going to like Monterey. I'm going to Guadalajara. I'm going like everywhere. Like I'm going to villages that like you needed to take buses and like donkeys to get to, you know, like, <laughs> like I'm just like working. Like, it was just like, that's like, like actually like my career is wrestling. Um, and it was great. And then, like I said, like some promoters wanted me in a hood, other ones didn't like, I didn't care. And then like meeting all these guys, like, Dr. Wagner is like humongous star. And he would say to me, like, wear a mask. Then I'm like, yeah, I'm like, but like, he's like, yeah, wear a mask. Fuck them. He's like, they're going to pay you for it. You know, like, and I'm like, okay. So I'd wear a mask for this promoter. And I remember one time specifically, I had a show in Iguala. And then I had uh, the day before I was booked in Monterey. And like the promoter, like, was like, yeah, you take the bus from Mexico City to Monterey. And I tell like Kenichi, like, I gotta be in Monterey, but then I gotta be back in Iguala for you. And then he's like, How much they give you for the bus? And I'm like, Oh, they gave me like 60 bucks. And then he's like, Okay, he's like, just take a flight, I'll pay the rest of it, you know? Wow. Like, so yeah, so now I'm like really like feeling like a star because now I'm like, I don't have to take a bus, you know, like I get to fly, you know, like so it was all business for him. And then like he would set me up with like um like signings and stuff, like. I would get paid to like go to a gym and like take pictures. And I'm like, who the fuck do these people think I am? Like, I'm nobody, you know, like, but it's all smoke and mirrors where they just build you to be the star. And then I got in a soap opera. Soap opera. <laughs> oh yeah. You didn't know that. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Holy yeah. cow. Yeah. So I got on like the original ugly Betty. Oh, really well, I have, I, yeah i have to watch when i say original because the original original is from colombia oh okay like, okay so they did like it wasn't like a soap opera like on the day so in mexico they have like telenovelas that are like um 
like when we were probably really young kids, like they used to have shows like Falcon Crest and Dallas and all that stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it was like every night, like prime time, like eight to 9 PM. So I got on the soap opera <coughs> and then that kind of just changed a lot for me, like just getting on that show. But it was interesting because like, I found out like they were asking, like there's a guy, Cibernetico, who was like, su- I think he's still popular, but he was super popular back then. And he worked for AAA. And, like, they wanted him to be on it. And he said, like, fuck it, I don't want to do it. But then, like, for me, it was like, okay, go take bumps or I'm going to go, like, do this bullshit acting. You know, like, so I'm like, I'll just do the acting thing. So I did that. And it was kind of like uh, when people ask me, I say it was just through, like, a talent scout. But it was kind of 50-50 where it's like, let's face it, it's all who you know, right? Uh-huh, so yeah. one of the one of the main actors on the show, his girlfriend at the time, I don't know, maybe it's his wife now, but his girlfriend at the time was uh, was from Canada. She was from Calgary. Oh, so they were watching a show. And then like, I don't know who anyone is. Like I said, I watch Friends, Will and Grace, you know, like that was my thing. Like, you know, like yeah. that's all I watch. So like, um, <laughs> you know, like they're like, OK, like this guy's girlfriend's from Canada. I'm like, yeah, but who the fuck is the guy? And then they're like um like he's this big star and i'm like okay like i don't know who he is so i was like okay so i'm like whatever like nice to meet you you're like, I'm so nonchalant <laughs> yeah you want to know what it is like as much as i'm not a mark for myself i'm not a mark for other people like it was just like if you're a nice person i love you you know what yeah. i mean like but yeah. if it's like if you're gonna like big shot me then like fuck you you know like i'll treat you like like little piece of shit you know like i'm just bitter that way like, I just think everyone should just kind of be nice to each other. So anyways, I met the guy and he was super nice. And then like, cause you get like soiled and poisoned with like wrestling mentality where everything's false promises. Mm-hmm. It's like the guy's like, you know, where do you live? I said, well, I live in Acapulco, but like I travel a lot. So I'm there two days a week. And he's like, you ever see the boat, like the yacht with the Canadian flag? And then I'm like, yeah, I, kind of that one stands out to me, you know, like being from Canada. And then he's like, that's mine. He's like, it's registered in Canada for tax purpose. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, oh. like, cool. And then he's like, this is my girlfriend. She's from Calgary. And it was like, all right, great. Like, it's awesome to meet people that first of all, speak English, but secondly, especially like Canadian, because yeah. I'll tell you something like the only people you meet in Mexico that speak English or like are from like the States or Canada are either there for business or there because they know they're going to do life in prison like in whatever country they're originally from. So like, that's who you're meeting. Like that speaks English. So I was like, cool. So like met her and then like, he's like, yeah, like give me your number and we'll exchange numbers. And he's like, I know we're going to be doing some filming in the next few months in Acapulco. Like maybe we have you on. And I'm like, okay. But I'm thinking in my head, like, this is like wrestling. Like I've been booked for WrestleMania 40 times, still never happened. You know, like, so I'm like, this guy's lying. And then uh, it actually ended up coming through. Like, wow, where like the guy called me, he's like, you would do this episode. And then I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. And then he's like, okay. So I went there and it was originally supposed to be one episode. Like I was like on a date with someone and then like, I'm supposed to beat up the main actor. Like that was like Uh what the story was. And then like, so in between like takes, like it's such a long day. You're there for like 15 hours for like, I don't know, three minutes of work. Yeah. The, the stunt people, I was like talking to them. And then like the director's like, Hey, this guy can speak Spanish, like give him lines. And then like, they didn't even know I could speak Spanish because I was always speaking English to the, to the guys that, you know, spoke English. So I'm like, okay. So they're like, say this. And I'm like, I say it. And they're like, Oh, you speak well. Like you don't even sound like a foreigner. I'm like, okay. 
So then like, they're like, okay, we need to act. So they're like, we want you to sound like a foreigner. And I'm like, okay. So like I said my line <laughs> and then like, you know, like I did the scene and then I'm like, okay, like this is it. And then they're like, yeah, this is it. I'm like, all right, great. And then they're like, we'll be in touch. I'm like, yeah, for sure. Like whatever. And then uh, they're like, you know what? They're like, we kind of like that. They're like, so I ended up doing like a total, like I didn't have like a main character or anything. I wasn't special, but it was like, I was recurring. So I think like altogether, the way they cut it up was like 39 episodes that I recur. So I was wow. like, yeah. That's so a lot. Like, yeah. Like it's how they cut it. You know what I mean? And the only reason I know that is because my stupid wrestling mentality were like at the beginning <laughs> was like, they're like, okay, they're like, you know, you, it's a union. So I'm like, you know, acting, I'm like, that's great. And then they're like, okay, so you need a representative. So this person is going to be the representative, which I actually kind of knew the lady, like not personally, but I seen her around because she lived in Acapulco. So she's like, okay, I'm going to be your representative. I'm like, that's fine. And I'm like, I want $1,500 a day US. And then they're like, she's like, no, that's not how it works. I'm like, yeah, that's what I want. I don't give a shit. You know, (laughs) like I was just being like a dick. Like, cause I was like, I don't know, like actors are rich. They must get paid well. So I'm like, let me just ask for that and see what happens. And then they're oh like, no, gosh. you want residuals. And I'm like, I don't want residuals. And the lady who doesn't know me, like, yelled at me like she was my mother and was like, you shut the fuck up and just take what I'm going to give you because it's going to be worth it for you in the long run. And she is 100% correct because from 2005, six, yeah. I get residuals to this day. And like, I have a place in Florida and like, you know, like the huge Latin community there. Like uh-huh. I can watch myself like at least one time I'm in Florida a year, I will see myself on TV. Like, so I didn't, I didn't know what show it's on. Like I told you, I'm a Will and Grace and a friends guy, you know, like in Mexico, <laughs> like I didn't know like that it was that big of a deal, but yeah. So after I did that, it opened a host of opportunities, like not only in wrestling and other stuff too. Like, like I said, like you just go to like, I don't know, like uh, go to like a gym and like just do a signing for two hours. And it's like, you're getting paid good money. And then um, another opportunity that came from it was I opened up some bullfights. So bullfights? Yeah. Like they have bullfighting down there. Yeah. Which I still don't know, like my opinion on it. Like I'm not a hundred percent. Like, I don't know if I like it or not, but Uh what ended up happening was there was a man there who was like pretty like powerful guy. And um, I thought he was strange because like, I go eat at this one place in particular because when I was like younger, I went to Acapulco on vacation and there was a spot where like people would go eat because like the guy said all the food is from Canada and the U S so you wouldn't get sick. Mm-hmm. And it was like the place you'd go to after the clubs. So because I knew that place, I'm like, oh, I'll just go eat there. So like I would go eat there like quite regularly. And there was a restaurant kind of attached to it on the side. Cause it's all outside. Mm-hmm. And, um, the man would be like, hey, I want to invite you to my restaurant for lunch or dinner, like on me. And I'm just like, oh, this guy's weird. Like, no, thanks. Like, I don't know. I was just like, I don't know. Like, why does everyone want to be like so friendly? Like, you know, like, and then like, I just kind of hesitant. And then I'm like, okay, like I went during the day one time and I went, and I sat with him and uh, he's still my friend to this day. Like, great guy. He's got a lot of connections. Um, but he's like, hey, like, uh, he's like, have you ever been to the bullfights? So I'm like, nah, I never been. And then, um, He's like, okay, well, he's like, you know, like for whatever's going on in the country at the time, he's like, you know, attendance been down locally. He's like, we're thinking maybe like a wrestler, a guy who's on a soap opera. He's like, maybe if you come and you just like, you know, cut a promo, like basically saying like, hey, you know, I'm not from Canada, but I live here and, you know, I love the bullfights and come and, you know, bullshit. So 
they were paying me to do that. So I just go hang around bullfights. Like, and uh, like, so all this like great opportunity was happening and I didn't really feel like I, like I kind of deserved it just from being there, you know? Like, so um, yeah. And then like the wrestling happened and then uh, I met great friends. Like uh, I still keep in contact with a lot of the guys from down there. And I truly learned like that. It's a business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only sour points that ever came there happened from people from Ontario. Oh, interesting. Like I'll, I'll give you an example. Like people would go down there for like two weeks and then like they would work shows for like pretty much free because mm-hmm. like for them, it's like, they just want to come back to Ontario and say, Hey, I worked these five shows in yeah. Mexico. Yeah. But what they're not understanding is like, I sacrificed a lot. Like I lived down there, you know, like it wasn't like I was there on vacation, you know? So, mm-hmm. you know, like you hear that and then it's like, you know, I'd get a little upset because I'm like, you know, you fucking three assholes are working for cheaper than I do. You know? So the promoter would tell you straight, I don't need you because I got these three gringos like come into work for nothing, mm-hmm. you know? And then I'm like, well, who are these fuckers? And then it's like, guys, you know, and then it's like, well, but I blame their coaches. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Like, I like not in like, I don't have heat like personally and I don't have malice towards this person, but like, like that squared circle guy fucked up a lot of shit because like, they would go to Mexico for two weeks on vacation and then go back and tell everyone, Hey, this is what you do, or this is like how it is. And this is what I was told. So I could be wrong. So maybe it's wrong of me to even say this publicly, but from what I was told was like, they're luchadors. They went to Mexico for a little bit. They came back, you know, and then like they were sending like their students, like referring their students to go down there. And it was mm-hmm. like, we, we are not understanding is you're taking food off people's plate, you know, like, so like uh, I'm friends with Hornet. So Hornet was one of the guys and was like, you know, like, what are you doing? Like this, you know, and it was like, once you kind of calm down about the situation and realize it's not that serious and whatever, but you know, it was one of those things where it was like, like people don't understand that in, in like a place like Mexico that can get you killed because like, you know, like even if you're not, okay, never mind me, I'm not important, but like you're taking food off my plate. What if you're taking food off a Mexican's plate? you know, like mm-hmm. that's been working all this time. So that's where I feel like the biggest problem was, I don't know now, I don't think it even matters now, but like, then it was kind of like one of those things where it's like, you know, you show up in Japan, you do all that. And it's like, you know, you just, they throw you in a show because you're cheap labor. Like, well, someone's got to stay at home for you to get an opportunity. Right. Mm-hmm. So you have to take that into consideration where it's like, if you're challenging for a job and doing it, like, honestly, you know, like if the other guy sits at home because you took a spot, that just means that you're better or you did something better or you're more marketable because wrestling's fake. So it doesn't matter how good you are, you know, mm-hmm. like yeah. there's something about you that makes you better. So, yeah, I had a little bit of like, I don't know, not heat, but it was just kind of like, you know, what are you guys doing? And it's like, I know they're not bad guys. And I know like there wasn't the intent. It's just like no one taught you this, you know, like you should have been taught this. You know, like not to do that stuff because I don't know. Does it make sense what I'm saying? It does. Like I, I had no clue of what life was like in Mexico. Yeah. So this is all new to me. And I don't think I would have known that like mm-hmm. if the trainers, the coaches know that about Mexico, then yes, that's something that they should, you know, teach yeah. their students about. But I, yeah, 
I had no idea. Like I had no idea it was like mainly business. Yeah. There's a guy down there, like his name's Pierov. Oh, like big star, like big heel. Um, this guy wouldn't shake my hand for three years until like he felt that I earned his respect. Wow. Like, and I'm talking like I've worked hundreds and hundreds of shows with him. Mm -hmm. And it was like, okay, like I would still always stick my hand out, you know? Yeah, yeah. And he would just be like, get the fuck out of here. You know, <laughs> like, and I'm like, okay. And then one day I'm just like, uh, I think it was in Reynosa or something. We, it, like, it stood out to me because like, imagine that for three years, you're traveling with this guy, like you're on buses, flights, whatever it is, shows, and the guy will not shake your hand. And then it's mm -hmm. like. All of a sudden, the guy comes and sits down to me and is like talking to me in English, like, hey, buddy, you're my buddy. And I'm just like, is this guy hammered? And then they're like, <laughs> I was just no, yeah. That. And then he's like, you're good, you're good. You know, like, you did good, you did good. And I was like, oh, I wonder if, like, maybe, like, because I finally worked with him, you know, uh -huh. like beforehand, maybe I didn't work with him. So I was like, you know, like, that's how serious these guys take it. Like, um, do you know who Dark Angel Sarah Stock is? Yes. Yeah. So, like, she is a huge star down there. Like mm -hmm. she yeah. did like super amazing. So I talked to her a lot and like, even for her, it's like, she had like a rough grind. Like she started in Monterey and worked her way to Mexico city. Like everyone's goal is to get to Mexico city. That's mm -hmm. the goal. If you're a wrestler from anywhere in that country, you want to get to Mexico city. So, you know, like even for her, it was harder because she's female. So there's less female matches. Mm -hmm. So like when people always say to me, like, uh, like obviously Vampiro Conan, those guys were like in a time where they were like trendsetters and like they did amazing. But if you really like break down kind of Sarah's career, it's like she's a way bigger star than like anybody because mm -hmm. she's a foreigner and a female and like less opportunity. And she like went like from working in like a women's uh, wrestling uh, company mm -hmm. and then like made her way to like okay, working like the guy shows. And then eventually, like, I think she even main evented like Arena Mexico one. Like, oh, that's wow. like, yeah, like there's a lot of like unknowns that like people didn't know. And like the, the funny thing is, remember I told you I went to Manitoba. Mm -hmm. So when I was in Manitoba, two people that are like one's a big star right now and one who was a big star were learning how to do front rolls. So like uh, Sarah was learning how to do a front roll when I showed up in Manitoba. Like she was like learning wrestling before the shows and Kenny Omega. Oh yeah. So like, I don't know them. Like mm -hmm. I know Sarah cause of Mexico, but like she didn't remember, but it was just like, uh, I don't, I never met Kenny, but like, um, yeah. So it's just like, you know, see how long like the journeys take to get to where you're getting to. And then, um, wrestling is like waves in a sense where it's like, uh, I don't know how I can say this it was kind of macho when I was doing it. Like it was uh, like, you kind of had to be a man's man to survive. Yeah. Cause there was yeah. like, there was like, um, like okay, the politics is always there, but there was like, you know, I witnessed violence, you know, like people fighting, not bitching and screaming, but mm -hmm. it made sense to me in Mexico because like, when you look around, it's like, this is what these people do to like eat and survive. So mm -hmm. it's like serious. And I was fortunate enough at the time, like, you know, I'm not Hulk Hogan or The Rock. Like, you know, I'm nobody, but I made a living, you know? Like, mm -hmm. so uh, I understood it. And then I appreciated, like, all the sacrifice I had to make. So I wasn't going to piss the money away. So 
that's when, you know, like basically I invested it. Uh, mm -hmm. But um, then the, I think it was like 2008, nine, there was like bad, like, uh, like presidential change. And then the economy uh, like, like took a hard hit. Like imagine yeah. you're in an arena and like every week you're working in front of 12,000 people. Well, mm -hmm. 12,000 turns into 500. That's a humongous drop. Yeah. But that's the way it was. So that's when I was like, I think I'm done. You know, like I was like, I'm just time for me to figure like what's the next phase of my life. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's when I came back to Ontario. But I also uh, like I'd still like do tours there. So I'd go like, say, go back for two weeks, come home, like come back to Ontario for a month, go there for five days, come back here for a couple months. Okay. So it was kind of like part time. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, that's when I kind of returned to like Ontario indie wrestling, which I didn't have the intent to, to be honest. It just kind of happened. No. Um, you know who like Donnie is? Like he had the show, the old show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I ran into or saw him or something. Some, for some reason, I, I talked to him and then he's like, you know, like I'm booking this promotion. Like, why don't you come? Like, I'm not interested. And then I'm like, I understand. Like, you're not going to pay me what I want. And I also don't deserve much because I'm not a draw in Ontario. Right. Like mm. I'm fair and realistic. Like I don't deserve to be paid much, but he's like, no, no, no. He's like, you know, just come. He's like your old partner burns on the show and I'll tag you with him. I'm like, okay, if that's the case, like, then I'll just go have like, you know, kind of like a reunion kind of thing. And then I'm done. Right. Mm -hmm. So I went to the show. I had no clue. This guy was like, oh, special guest. And I'm like, I'm no fucking special guest. Like, I'm nobody to the fans here. You know, like, I think he hyped me more than, like, I needed, like, than I wanted to be and deserved to be. And then, you know, you're kind of in that web, and it's kind of hard to untangle it because, like, I felt like, okay, I'm using this for ring time because I'm still, like, getting bookings, like, in Mexico or like central South America, I went to Africa, like, you know, like I'm still getting bookings. Right. Mm -hmm. So like I worked in Europe, like, so I'm like, okay, this is my wrestling training. Cause my coach Don Cole, he doesn't have school anymore. And like, I don't really have a relationship with anybody to go use their ring. Mm -hmm. Like I, and I, I still don't feel welcome like in Ontario. So I was working the shows and like, I just tell everyone the truth. Like, you're not drawing, so you're not going to pay me shit. So it's like, I just don't want to feel like an idiot and I can't do it for free. So uh, I started working the independent shows in Ontario again. That's where I met Josh and I met like a lot of those guys. Mm -hmm. And uh, I tried my hardest not to be the guy who said like, this is what they do in Mexico, you know? Mm -hmm. And then yeah. like, uh, I met RJ who I have a relationship with because like he lives like close to me. So it was okay. like, uh, it was one of the first guys I met. So I'm just like, if I'm going to work these shows, like, why don't we just go together? You know? And then, and at the time I hadn't driven for like seven, eight years. So I was like, cause I didn't drive in Mexico. I got like, you didn't have to. So, you know, I was like, okay. So I went and did shows and like returned to the Indies and not much had changed except like kind of a younger generation crop of people who came in. Mm -hmm. So any like more acting stuff? yeah or, I did, yeah yeah i did uh i did some stunt work i did a movie uh called monster brawl um i did uh what's that tv show I don't and know, are I you doing it watched. are you doing it here in canada yeah i did monster brawl in canada 
I did a pilot for a show in Mexico. Like it was like, I fucked up on this one big time. Like it was like kind of a rip off a of full house. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, ah, I'm like, I don't really care. Like, you know, like this is like, sounds like a stupid show. And then like, it's still on TV now, but I oh, didn't get it. Yeah. Whatever. Like, you know, like, I don't know. I didn't really have aspirations of being an actor or anything like that. It was just yeah. something I felt and, like, I did Monster Brawl and it was cool because like Kevin Ash was in it and Jimmy Hart and Dave Foley, like, you know, Dave Foley from Kids in the Hall. No, I never watched it. Yeah, me neither. But <laughs> like how I know, no, but how I know Dave Foley is uh, there was a show that was on every Sunday night at midnight when I lived in Mexico. And it was like teaching you how to play like Hold'em, like Texas Hold'em. Oh, so it'd be like a tournament and like Dave Foley was the host. Like, so he would like, and then I'm like, oh, you ever heard of the show News Radio? Like Joe Rogan was in it? Uh, no. no. Okay. So he was on that <laughs> show and he's Canadian. But when I went to do this movie and I meet Dave Foley, I'm like, hey, man, I said, like, I learned how to play Texas Hold'em from you, like on that show. And then like, that was just my whole thing with him. And then meeting Jimmy Hart was cool. And then Nash uh, was cool. And like me and him are still like, we talk like at least once a month, like to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I feel like my career went kind of full circle because I ended where I started. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Like, um, so remember I told you that guy, Nick Nitro booked me on a show. Yeah. Like my first one ever. Oh, yeah. did you have so, your last show there? I had my last tour. So he ended up, I don't know what happened. Like he was just, he got money somehow and he booked like this humongous tour, like with like, all like names like he had like nash steiner the tonka um the new age outlaws x-pac the nasty boys like he had a bunch of guys uh on the show and then on his tour so we went out like to eastern canada which was super cool for me because i never been to eastern canada Mm. so i was like okay so like he did some local shows like he did a show in brantford with Hulk Hogan on it. Did wow. you ever hear about that? You ever uh, hear about that? No. Yeah. So he had like, that was like all the names that I just said. Uh-huh. He had booked on the show and Hulk Hogan. So it was, uh, that was probably like, uh, I don't know what year it was. I think it was like maybe 2010, 11, like around there. So yeah, that was uh, cool. And I thought it was like a great learning experience for like, well, for myself in a sense, and like a lot of like the younger guys, like uh, RJ and I did the opening match. Uh-huh. So that was my idea. Cause like I kind of told RJ, I'm like, you never worked in front of a big crowd. And I'm like, RJ's a smart guy. Like, one thing I'll give it is like in Ontario, we have a lot of great wrestlers, mm-hmm. like bad business people, but great wrestlers. Mm-hmm. So, like, better than me. So, like, I let him call the stuff, but I told RJ, I'm like, there's been like fans here trying to meet Hulk Hogan since like three in the afternoon. The show's supposed to start at seven. It's eight o'clock and the bell hasn't rung yet. I said, these people are sitting on their hands. And then I'm like, call a good match. Like me and you are going to go first. Like if that's not pressure, I don't know what's pressure. Cause if, <laughs> if we suck, no, but think about it. If we sucked, now you've got guys like Scott Steiner, Kevin Nash, X-Pac, uh, Tatanka, the nasty boys, you know, Ted DiBiase, like every, like, name that's like you know like drew money is on the show Mm -hmm. and i'm like if we fuck it up for them they're gonna shit on us and you're never gonna fucking work anywhere Mm -hmm. so it was like 
like kind of nice pressure. Like that's what kind of motivated me because I was very demotivated. Like coming back here, it was hard mm-hmm. to get motivated to wrestle in front of, I don't know, 30 people. Yeah. Like, so, um, yeah. So I did those shows and then we did the tour out East. Um, and yeah, like, uh, I knew I was done during that tour. Like I knew it was like, I'm, I don't want to wrestle anymore. Actually on that tour, I bought a calling card and I called, yeah, I bought a calling card and I called Mexico and said, I want to lose my hair. Find me someone who will pay me for it. Like I'm done. Uh-huh. Cause they, they pay you for a haircut. Am I rambling and jumping around too much for you? No, no, okay. <laughs> like, no, yeah. sorry. I'm, I'm taking this all in. Uh, okay. Yeah, so 2010, first of all, I'm just baffled that all these um, big stars were able to be booked. I'm trying yeah, to think if any of them of were still, well, I'm trying to think if any of them were still with the fed. Uh, because around okay. that time they weren't letting anyone like yeah, do other no, shows. No, no. So what ended up happening was you remember it was a I don't remember what year it was. Okay, when Kevin Nash did that little thing with CM Punk when he would like I don't know like they were, like he ran in the ring and like power bomb Punk like they never worked each other but like when CM Punk was champion and then Kevin Nash had a little feud with him mm-hmm. uh, Nash got pulled from the tour. Because he went there. Oh, okay. So, like, he wasn't with them. But uh, Steiner was with TNA because he missed, like, two shows on the tour because he had to go do some stuff for TNA. Mm-hmm. And then he came back. Um, no, no one was with WWE at the time. Everyone was either, like, independent or, or with TNA. Oh, okay. Okay. Because I think like Billy Gunn had just got released, and I think it was right before Road Dog got hired to work in the office. So he wasn't a talent; he was like a writer. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I met Steiner like before that, so we kind of had a relationship. And then like I did the movie with Nash, so we had a relationship. And then mm-hmm. I also found another thing is like some of the biggest assholes in wrestling. I get along with great. <laughs> like, like, yeah. Like, uh, it's true. Like, I just do. Like, you know, if I look at, like, if I look through, like, my phone and I'm like, these are my wrestling friends, it's like, fuck, everyone thinks they're an asshole. Or someone does. Like, I'll give you another example. Like, right before this tour, what happened was um, I went out for dinner one night with um, Santino and Randy Orton. Mm -hmm. And me and Orton just happened to hit it off. Like, I am like the least entertaining person on social media you ever meet, but like he followed me on social media and we, we talk and like, I think too, cause like I'm a big fan of his dad's uh-huh. like um, the people that um, when I started wrestling, the people that I started to follow, like their like, or look back on their careers were people that I found when I was young um, made me angry. Like they emotionally like affected me. Like, like I'll give you an example, like King Kong Bundy, I was terrified of, but I'm not as big as him. So it didn't matter. I was a fan of like Mr. Perfect because I hated his guts. Fan of Ravishing Regroot because he would call me a sweat hog. You know, like, don't, like, but like, if you think back to when you're young and you're watching, it's like the people that you actually had a reaction to are actually the most influential people if you want to become a wrestler, right? Mm-hmm. So I remember I hated Cowboy Bob Orton because he'd always have the cast and he cheated. So I was like, this guy's a scumbag. You know, like, so 
when I started like getting into wrestling is like, if I'm going to find tape or like, you know, like, you know, rent old videos when there was video stores, uh, I would watch like that kind of stuff. So I was talking to Randy about his dad and then like, we just talk and then we got along. So out of the blue, he's just like, you want a job? Like you want to come work with us? And then I'm like, uh, so in my heart was like, no, you know, like, Mm -hmm. but but if I ask myself, like, why did I get into wrestling? It was like, I didn't even know that there was an NWA. So, you know, it was for WWF, WWE. You know what I mean? Like, it was yeah. like, that was what I got into it. And then, like, I learned along the way. But at the same time, to be totally transparent, when I was in Mexico, I understood more that this is a business. Because, like, you can be in the main event every night and make no money. And then when they replace you, you're nobody. No one cares. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you might have like a shelf life of like 18 months to go collect as much money as you can on the Indies and do signings and shoot interviews and all this stuff. But yeah. like, what are you really, you know, like, so if you're going to make all these sacrifices, which are more, way more mental than physical, like it's such a mind fuck, you know, like, and I don't mean it's like negative and like a downer, but like it is It's like, especially I look at myself all those years just being on the road by myself and then like yeah i met friends and stuff like that but i mean like you know like the people i grew up around my family like no one was around to enjoy any of this with me right Mm -hmm. so and you feel that after the fact so when orton like said to me like hey you know you want a job and i'm like i didn't go with my heart i'm like yeah i want a job but i didn't even want to wrestle anymore so then like i'm like okay so he's like okay cool he's like just get some shit together and give it to me and i'll give it to the office so Word must travel fast because when I was like working shows with like Bushwhacker Luke was also on the show. Like there were a lot of names on the show. Like the Highlanders were out of WWF at the time. They were booked on these tours. Like there were many tours like in Ontario. Then they went out east. It was longer. But Tatanka's like, uh, or sorry, Jerry Sags, who's awesome. He's like, come here. And I'm like, yeah. And then he's like, Luke was telling me that like they're looking at you like in WWE and then I'm like well I don't know for sure I'm like Orton asked me if I want a job and then he's like okay like you know just kind of giving me some pointers which I really appreciated mm-hmm. and then um and then Luke said to me he's like this is the worst time and then I'm like why and then he's like because they're going through a transition they're gonna I don't know how he Luke knows everything he's like they're gonna fire all these guys and then, like, you know, they're going to have new people. So you kind of don't want to get hired now. And, like, it was interesting to, like, learn that stuff because I, I don't know nothing about what goes on there. Mm-hmm. Um, in my head, I'm just like, look, I'm just going to – my goal would be, like, if I can get on one WrestleMania and, like, you know, I didn't think it would happen. But if I could ever, like, work with Orton, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get myself fired the next day. I'll walk in and kick Vince McMahon in the balls. Like, I'm just something to get fired. Like, I don't care. You know, like, uh, that was my goal. Like, um, but, um, yeah, so uh, then what ended up happening was they were in Europe on some tour. So, like, now, okay, Road Dog's a writer. Uh, Like, Santino I knew from, like, my coach, but he Mm -hmm. trained before me and then did a different route. And then, like, Orton's the one who's, like, pulling for me. Um, And then Nash is there. So... And then, like, I had a relationship with a couple other guys that were in the company. And then, you know, like, they call me and they're, like, in Europe, like, at a bar, like, on a patio somewhere. And they're, like, you know, like, 
okay, send video and like do this and whatever. And then I'm like, okay, fine. So I sent a tape and then more pictures. And then, um, like I kind of motivated myself was like, Hey, get in shape. Cause when I came back to Ontario, I didn't care anymore. So I just kind of got out of shape. So I was getting a better shape and then, um, I didn't hear anything. So I'm like, okay, like, doesn't matter. And then, uh, mm-hmm. I talked to Nash about it. And then he's like, he's like, you have too many of the wrong friends. And then I'm mm-hmm. like, okay. Like, and then I'm like, okay. I'm like, you really think that's why he's like, I don't know. He's like, there's a lot of transition, but he's like, look at who's going to bat for you. And then it kind of made sense. Cause it's just like Orton, they can't control, you know, like at the time, especially. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, Nash will tell him to fuck off. And he's only nice to them when he wants money, you know, like, so, yeah. and then like road dog, you know, he had like a really bad, like exit from the company. And then he just got rehired as a writer, but yeah. you know, he was basically like making videos in TNA, which I didn't know until after the fact of like ripping on like the whole company and like triple H and all these guys. Mm-hmm. And then I had Luke telling me that like, it's not the right time to be like, doing it wait till the transition kicks in mm-hmm. uh so i don't know or maybe i just i'm shit like i don't know <laughs> i just didn't get the thing and i didn't really care to have like to be a dark match guy like not mm-hmm. to say that i'm too good but i'm like let other people have the opportunity like that was even my whole thing like when i was wrestling on the indies like in ontario was like look i'm not gonna get hurt because like one there's no money and like two it's like i'm you know i still have other things going on so, like, I can have a good match with you without having to do crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. And, like, if I don't know you and you're new and you were trained by a guy who's only done 30 matches, like, how can I trust you to, like, give me a frog splash? Mm-hmm. You know, like, so it's like, look, we can just tell a story. And I kind of went back to, like, what I learned in Manitoba and in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. It was like, remember I mentioned, like, you can, like, you can have, you can tell a story physically with athleticism without having to, you know, like cut promos and stuff like that. Yep. And then like, I tried to honestly give like, like independent guys like Josh or like whoever I'd work with. It was like, okay, like do whatever you want. Like, I don't care. I'll put you over, you know, it's just mm-hmm. like, you call it, like you do it. And then um, like I wrestling Mexican style. I can't teach you shit. Like, I don't remember, even remember how to wrestle like in North American, like, you know what I mean? Like, or like American style, like I'm doing something different. Like my job, if I did like seven or 8,000 matches in Mexico, I had the same matches every day. I get the shit kicked out of me and then like sell. And then like, I'd come back and I'd probably give two clotheslines. If you're lucky, I would jump off the top rope with a shoulder tackle, you know, like that was all I did. (laughs) Like, so it's like, I'm coming, I'm coming now, like. To Ontario and like you know now there's a whole new style and there's a whole new type of way to work it's like mm. yeah you you guide me but you know there's a lot of like you know there's no confidence and all that because no one's building confidence in anyone everyone's ripping it away from you if you had it right so yeah that's where I found like the biggest deterrent and then like I kind of have like an attitude of like why not be nice to people you know, mm-hmm. and like, uh, I'd fall for things too. Cause I'm human. Like people would get in your ear and it'd just be like, Oh, you can't be jobbing to this guy because, and I'm like, Oh yeah, you're right. I shouldn't, you know? But mm-hmm. then like, when I would go home, I'd just be like the fucking guy I'm 
listening to right now has never made a dime. You know, <laughs> like I'm like, why am I listening to him? Like he might be better than me in the ring or he might have more psychology than me. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, like, are you, do you want to be a wrestler to tell your friends you're a wrestler or do you want to be a wrestler because it's a cool job? But mm-hmm. the, what I'm trying to say is a job. And that's what I got ingrained in me in wrestling school. And I also got ingrained for me in being in Mexico. Like, yeah. do you know who, do you know who Karrion Cross is? Yes. Okay, so I know him from outside of wrestling. Mm. I I might have taken him to his first show ever. Oh, wow. Yeah, like, so, um, okay, so I tore both my meniscuses, like, Mm -hmm. in my knees, like, not at the same time. So when I tore the second one, I came back home to rehab it, and, like, I kind of was getting, like, a little bit of, okay, what's next for me? Like, I already have no knees. I already tore both rotator cuffs and supraspinase in my shoulders. You know, my neck's fucked up. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, what's next? You know, like, so I'm like, okay, I'll rehab in like Toronto. So I was rehabbing here and uh, a friend of mine had a gym. Like he opened like a nice fancy gym at like uh, Brent Cliff and Eglinton, kind of like in between Flemington Park and the, the yuppie area, like Lee side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I like, so I went there and I'd work out there and then, you know, I'm like, okay. So I always like, um, while I was wrestling too, I, I, would take courses on nutrition and working out because it's like, you're paying people. You want to make sure you're paying the right people. So I went to that gym and I was like part-time personal training, like two hours a day, three days a week, like while I was doing my rehab and, uh, Kevin is his real name. He worked there. Oh, Oh, that's right. He is from Toronto, right? Cause I know he was like bouncing or something. Yeah, like he was like born, I think he was born in the States and then like he lived here for a while. And then like I have a good friend of mine too who's like uh he was a middleweight kickboxing champion. Mm-hmm. Um and like um he was like working with Kevin, like because Kevin's into all that shoot stuff. And then he actually Kevin would go train with uh my coach Don Kolov, but like the shoot stuff, because my coach is more of a shooter opposed to like a pro wrestler. Like okay. that was like like he was like an Olympic wrestler. And then, like, there were guys in our gym. Like, remember I said we had an octagon that were, like, you know, like, we had a silver medalist and, like, Sambo. And, like, basically, like, these guys were killers. So, like, Kevin was really into that stuff. So, he'd go with them. And they would tell me, like, Kevin's cool. So, Kevin, I guess, like, huge fan, like a mark. So, like, he would, like, say, hey, you're a pro wrestler. Like, yeah. And then I remember um, Eddie Osborne booked me in a show because I was, like, let me test out my knee and see if I can, you know, if I'm okay. So I went to work with Eddie. So I asked Kevin, like, you want to come? And then he's like, yeah, okay. And then like, so I took him to the show and like, I don't know, he thought it was amazing and it wasn't a bad show. It was like my show, but like, I guess for him, it was his first experience. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then like, he'd keep in touch with me a lot, like on his journey. Like, so when he was wrestling, like in Vegas, Mm -hmm. like that's where I think he learned with like Sin and like a couple other guys. Oh, okay. Uh, Sin's a great guy too. And then mm-hmm. um, I think that's like the school he went to. And then like, I think he came to Toronto for a bit. And then I met up with him at Santino's gym uh, one time. And then we talk and then, you know, just via like text or whatever, like we'd keep in touch. And then mm-hmm. um, he's a grounded person. I think cause like we know each other from outside of wrestling. So yeah. it's like, you can't fucking big time me. Cause like, I don't care if you're the WWE champion, I'll punch you on your way to the ring. You know, <laughs> like, uh, I think he knows that. So I think there's like a respect there, but 
yeah, like I'm proud of his success. I'll be honest with you. And like, I'm guilty and I should be more nicer friend. I think I stopped watching wrestling like about four or five years before, like I stopped wrestling. Like, oh, I just, okay. so you don't consuming. watch, you don't watch any like today. Like no, now. I don't know. Unless like the only way I see it is if like, uh, people I follow on Instagram, if they mm-hmm. put it in their stories, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, but like to, for me to sit down and watch, like, I don't have anything against it. I pay whatever, nine ninety nine a month to, for WWE network. And like, if I'm in a wrestling mood, I'll watch like 1987 survivor series. That's like nostalgic. And yeah. I can't get over like the way, like 30,000 people erupt for Brutus beefcake. You know what I mean? Like, no offense to Brutus Beefcake, but it's Brutus Beefcake. You know, like, mm-hmm. and like, I'm like, wow, like, this is when they had power. And like, it's nostalgic for me because um, they keep it that way in Mexico as well. Like, uh, you truly are like a star, like being a wrestler there. Like, um, if you're recognizable, like if you don't have a mask on, like, and for some people, it's probably like a shitty life because everyone watches wrestling like now. Like, um, and there's a lot of guys that like are, are there that never left. And like, I don't blame them for never leaving, but it's kind of a shame that they're not household names. Like, uh, you know who Mr. Aguila is like, yeah, Yeah. like him. He's amazing. Like they did so much for me. Like, uh, when they were Peros del Mall, like they, Mm -hmm. you know, who Sabu is. So obviously, you know, Sabu, right? Yeah. Okay, so Sabu made me so much money. Okay, <laughs> like, I, like I, I want to, like, I wish there was a way, like, I could, like, I don't know. He probably doesn't even remember who I am. But Sabu, I'll tell you a story about Sabu, just so people know how good this guy is. So, like, I don't know, like, wrestling gossip, but like, if people have anything bad to say about him, like, that's their issue. But like, I'm gonna just tell you what Sabu did for me. Yeah. So Sabu gets booked on a show from like, there's like 10 wrestling magazines in Mexico, like weekly. Like this is no monthly bullshit, like 10 independent wrestling magazines. There's photographers also. So one of the, one of the magazines is having a show. So I was booked on the show and then Sabu is booked on the show. So we're staying in the same hotel and uh, Al Baron, who went to my wrestling school, he was in Mexico at the time, like doing a program with another company. Mm-hmm. So he knows Sabu like fairly well, like they work together. Uh, so Al Brown introduced me to Sabu and then Sabu's like, okay, I got to go to like arena Mexico tonight, like for something. And he's like, I'm not working, but I just want to go there and see La park. And I'm like, okay. And then he's like, you want to come with me? And then I'm like, yeah, sure. So I'm going with him there. And then this is how cool he is. So the magazine people have a car and they're like, uh, we don't have room for me. Like they don't have room for me at the car. So basically, mm-hmm. I'm a jabroni, you know, like, it's no room for you. So Sabu's like, fuck that. Then I'll walk there with my friend. Like, and then I'm like, yeah, he's like, if we're walking, like, it's okay. I said, yeah, it'll be okay. And then like, so he basically told him like, fucking find room for this guy or go fuck yourself. And he only knew me for like 15 minutes. Okay. Oh, so yeah. we go to the show. So we go through like the parking garage. Uh, so like the show's just ending. So there's like. Like Arena Mexico at the time was drawing like 18 to 22,000 every Friday. Okay. So there's a shit ton of people. So we're walking in and like, there's people that recognize me. 
So like, you know, they want a picture, like take autograph, whatever. So in Mexico, I'm good looking. I'm not like as big, like I'm more in shape. And like, they marketed me as like, not Shawn Michaels, but like, they were like, whatever, right? Like, this mm. is your gimmick. And this is why we are baby face. People are going to sympathize for you and whatever. And I'm like, okay. So people are stopping me. So Sabu's waiting. So we walk in, I'm like, sorry about that. And he's like, it's okay. He goes, I don't, he goes, I never fucking heard of you in my life. And then I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, and he goes, yeah, but here he goes, you're special. So we go like meet La Park in the change room, whatever they talk. And then he's like, okay, we're going to go meet with like, uh, like Mr. Aguila, Damien, Halloween, uh, Hector Garza and Pedro Wild Jr. He's like, we're going to go meet them for dinner. She's like, you come. I said, okay. He's like, you know them, right? I said, I know them. So we go for dinner with them. So then we're a little late. The first thing Sabu says to all these big stars, like at the time, these guys were the NWO of Mexico. Okay. Yeah. So they had a group called the Pedos del Mar. So mm-hmm. like they were hot. Like this is when they first started. So we walk in the restaurant. Sabu was like, sorry, I'm late. Nobody told me that I was hanging out with the Shawn Michaels of Mexico. So <laughs> I'm like, is this a rib? Like this guy fucking with me, you know, like, so <laughs> The handler, like the translator guy, which I could translate for him because I speak both, yeah. is like telling the perros del mal like what he just said. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay. So then Mr. Aguila, like and Damien, I used to speak to a lot. Like, like I always like talk to them on shows and hang out with them and they help me because their English is pretty good. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they were like, Yeah, he's like, you know, like, yeah, they're like Porky said the same thing about you, like, you know, like the kids and the girls like you and whatever. And that's like, it's a, it's, it's not a coincidence that my bookings via them picked mm. up, like, say I was working like four days a week before I was yeah. automatically working six after that, you know, like I was too stupid at the time, like right then and there to figure out like, this is all because of Sabu, you know, yeah. but it was like Sabu put more money in my pocket. I don't know much about Sabu, like other than like, he did some crazy shit. And like, he really like loves the business and he kayfabes a lot. And like, you know, he believes in like to the core, but like, yeah. man, what that guy did for me, knowing me for like a couple hours was like, you know, like mm-hmm. I, so anytime, like I meet someone who I think knows him, like from Michigan, I'm just like, Hey, like if you see Sabu, you won't remember who I am. Just like jabroni to him. But like this guy did so much for me. So there are like, as much as there's some shit bags in wrestling, there are really good people. Yes. Yeah. Especially like, um, legends like Sabu, I see as a a legend and they don't need to, they don't have to take the time out of their own personal life to, to help you. I've worked with Sabu a few times and Mm -hmm. on like the same shows and he -hmm. would watch and critique and then talk to me after I'm just like, Whoa, like, I can't believe he's, I can't believe he's taking the time. And he was super genuine about it. Yeah, because he cares. Yeah. Yeah. You know who else is like that? Uh, Billy Gunn. Is he? Billy Gunn watches every single match that there is. Like, every match. Like, he'll watch it. Like, you you don't even know that he's watching. And, like, you come in the back and then he's like... Because, you know, when you come in the back and people are like, great match? Like, you didn't even watch, motherfucker. You know? Like, I <laughs> like it's just, it's just a bullshit wrestling thing. Like, yeah, he was excellent. You know? Like, but it was just like... You know, I come back and this guy would critique little things. He's like, you're locking up too tight. That's probably blowing you up. And then I'm like, fuck, he's right. 
And I'm like, he must have watched to see that. And then it'd be like the next night, your lockup does better, but you were kind of lazy taking that power slam. And then it's like, fuck, he actually watches. So <laughs> I remember one night in particular, I went and followed him around everywhere to know where he watches from. And in every yeah. building, he finds a quiet, like secluded part and he watches. And I watched with him. Like, and I was just like, wow, that kind of stuff was like making me like get fire back in my belly to like care more, you know, yeah. like, cause like, I know, like, I'm not blind to it. It's like, when I came back to Ontario the second time, like I have a reputation of probably being lazy, but the whole thing was just like, yes, I partially am lazy cause I'm not getting paid. So I'm not going to say I'm not, but the other thing too, is like, you're not trying to figure out that like, if you're looking at me as a veteran which I'm probably the same age as most of these fucking guys. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, um, cause I just started young, but like, if you're looking at me as like a veteran and I'm giving you the, like, you're too stupid to figure out that I'm giving you the ball to ride with. Like mm -hmm. I'm basically telling you, I'll do anything you want. Just don't hurt. me. You mm -hmm. know, like, what do you want to do? Like, I don't want to take a hundred bumps for you because you're probably 60 pounds lighter than me. So that doesn't mean anything. Like they're not understanding like where it's coming from, you know, like, so uh, like a partial regret I have is coming back is I wish I had a little bit more fire, like in the sense where like, I wish that like I cared to stay in shape more, but like being in Mexico was really hard on me. Like even mentally, like uh, I remember like coming home for a little bit and going back. So I was like home and I was eating my mom's cooking. And like, yeah. when I went back, they were like, you're fat, put a shirt on, you know, like, and that's the way it was. So it was like, you know, you're working hard to stay in shape. Like, that's yeah. why I like those like gimmicks, like, could you imagine like Shawn Michaels coming back after like five years and he looks like knobs from the nasty boys? <laughs> like, you know, like, like, it's like, those are pressure gimmicks. Like, you know what I mean? Like even Billy Gunn, he's like Mr. Ass. Like you can't be out of shape and call yourself Mr. Ass, yeah. you know, like, so, um, yeah, like that. I kind of wish I was like, maybe there like, uh, mentally and like even physically a little bit for, for like the guys when I came back, but, um, I don't know how to put this. Like, I think I was cut from a different cloth than most other wrestlers in my bringing or coming into the business. Mm -hmm. So I think like, that's partially why, like, maybe I didn't fit in as well. Cause like, for me, if like my first day of wrestling school was an all business approach, not a, Hey, let's have fun and yeah. live out a childhood dream. Yeah. Which I don't regret. Like, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? But I just never understood why like there's guys that have been wrestling for 15 years that are still taking spots away from hungry up and coming people. Like it doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> so the tour was your last, like your last hurrah, I guess. Yeah. So in Ontario, or like in Canada or in North America, like we went, uh, yeah, we did that last tour. And while I was on the tour, I got a calling card. I called Mexico and I like that Paniche family, oh, like yes. that guy. Yeah, and yeah. I said like, you know, like find someone to pay me to cut my hair. Yes. Like I'll do it. So another thing I had to add was like, I wasn't allowed to cut my hair down there unless it was for that Paniche family. So like, oh, okay. like that's what I mean. Like we're Mexico serious. Nothing's done on a phone call. Everything's contracted. Like when you hear of a guy losing his mask, his hair, like we're talking like a hundred thousand dollars. Like that's how much that guy's making. You know, like mm. to lose his math because his potentially his career is over. Yeah. So you have to have contracts for that. It's not like someone's going to tell you, okay, 
come work for me. You're going to lose the match. We're going to shave your head in the ring. And then we're going to give you a big bag of money. Cool. Like, mm-hmm. no, because what if there's no big bag of money? You know, yeah. like, so everything's contracted. So I called him and I'm like, find someone if you are not, if you don't have shows or find someone that's going to pay me to cut my hair. So then there was a tour I did uh, in Central America. So I ended up cutting my hair and I forget the town, but it was like somewhere in Colombia. Wow. So I got paid. It wasn't a hundred grand. I got like seven grand, but Hey, why not? You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) Damn. (laughs) Yeah. But if I cut my hair, like a year after I did that soap opera in Mexico, I wouldn't be surprised if I got like 15, 20, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Cause I, I, I talked to guys that were getting their heads shaved every year and they were like, Oh, 20 grand, 15 grand, 10 grand, you know, 30 grand. Like, yeah. So, I'm, but you're also risking your career being over by doing that because in the Mexican, like Lucha Libre culture, it's almost like you're losing all your superpowers. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a big thing. Do you ever, and was that the absolute last, last time, the last time yeah, you stepped in a ring? I left everything in the hotel. What do you mean? Like my gear and stuff. I just left it. Really? There. Yeah. I was like, fuck it. I'm done. Like, like, I was just like, it's over. Like, and it wasn't like I hated the business or nothing. It was just like, I don't know. For me, it was just more of like a mental grind where it's just like, I'm young. I'm like, I have injuries, but I'm not like incapable. And then I'm like, I'm just, I'm over it. Wow. Yeah. So I was just like, you know, like while I was on tour, there were so many dramatics happening that weren't from the names. Okay. Like. There weren't from the names. There was so much dramatics going on that, like, I had no interest. And, like, actually, Highlander Robbie, who, like, you know, for him, I get it. He went to WWE. He didn't He didn't play politics. He just, you know, like, did his thing. And then, like, he understood that if he played politics, he probably would still have a job there, right? So for him, it's like, I'm not speaking for him, but I'm pretty sure this is accurate. Like, kind of demonstrated it where it's like, well, fuck it. If I'm going to get another chance in the business, I'm playing politics. So like he said to me one time, cause there was like a whole bunch of shit going down. And then I'm, he's like, you know, he's like, you don't care, do you? And I'm like, no, I don't give a shit. Like I don't put myself in these positions to care. Like I'll tell you straight, these tours at the time were so big that all these so-called name guys that like, not name guys, like the legends, like these, you know, top Ontario stars, Mm-hmm. they were i was getting shown emails from the boss these guys willing to work those tours for free like just to get on them mm-hmm. and like i guess like i was pretty much like maybe the only guy that like worked for nick nitro like 12 or 13 years before that was still around so mm-hmm. he called me and he's like who should i like who are the ontario guys i should book on the show and then like i'm like okay like use this guy. I think this guy's good. Like this guy's a nice guy. Like, I don't know, like I'm not picking favorites. Just this is who I think, you know, like, and like, uh, like one guy I really pulled for, like, he doesn't know this, but like, um, like I'm a huge fan of too, is, um, you know, just insane. Yes. Yeah. Like, um, I would like pull for him. Like, like I'm like book this guy. And then they're like, who trained him? Like, I don't fucking know. I'm like, but he's a really nice guy. He's athletic. Like even at the time when he first started, like he had a body, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. he's a good looking guy. And I'm like, 
like there's 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 a spot for him you know and then like i don't know i guess he wasn't politically connected enough you know like but and then for me like having a relationship with nick nitro i think another reason why i was getting booked on the show was like i already knew half the legends that the guy was booking like i was cool with them i'll give an example like i was friends with nash but then like x-pac i had run into in mexico you know then nash put me over to him said like you know he's a friend it's not just wrestling you know like Mm -hmm. and then like so he was automatically nice to me so like they liked me and then like billy gunn had a relationship with uh steiner liked me because while everyone was out getting drunk and doing whatever they were doing uh i would be looking for food and he would happen to be looking for food or a gym you know what i mean and like yeah we just got along and it was like we'd have conversations that were outside of wrestling and then you know, like, uh, and we'd always run into each other. Like, I remember I did a show like via Mexico, like in San Antonio, and he happened to be booked on it. And then it's like, I'm kind of seeing you everywhere. So I'm nowhere close to their level, but they understood that I didn't, I wasn't dramatic. Maybe that was mm-hmm. why they liked me, you know, like, mm-hmm. or maybe I'm a salty prick like they are and they can smell that. Like, I don't like, you know, like, but for whatever <laughs> I was, reason. I was going to say like, that maybe, I was going to say that maybe you balance the friendship out but then you said salty prick so i <laughs> no no like i i honestly don't believe i was ever like mean to anyone in the business and like sometimes i get overexcited and say something and like sometimes you get things planted in your head like hmm. um and then like just come out like like i said about the squared circle thing it was like i don't know 100 percent fact that their school is built on the fact that he went on a two-week vacation but when enough hmm. people tell you that you just assume to believe it you know like hmm. so in passing i might say oh that guy's jabron you know like but you know like i don't know i'm sure if i sat down and like talked to the guy about the weather he's a great guy like i don't know like mm-hmm. i don't care really like i don't care what he thinks of me and like it's wrestling it's like everyone's gonna have something to say about you like i'll give you another example like a little bit of my not regret misfortune in ontario i got hyped up to work two people in ontario when i was here mm-hmm. so one of them is like pepper parks mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm going to work with Pepper Parks. Like, I'm going to put effort in. I'm going to, like, you know? And then another one was, like, a guy, uh, I forget his real name, but JT Playa. Yep. You know who that is? Yep. Those two guys I wanted to work with. I couldn't work with those guys, so I was booked to work with those guys two times. I'm all excited, like, going there. Like, I don't know. Like, are you still involved in wrestling or are you finished? I wouldn't say I'm finished. But I'm not actively involved right now. Okay. So for me, at least, there was a point where it was like going to shows was something to do. Like it mm-hmm. wasn't like, you know, like it was like, okay, I'm using the ring and blah, blah, blah. But it was just like, okay, you're kind of robotic when you're wrestling. Cause especially before you're used to working five days a week, now all of a sudden you're doing it just on the weekends. Like you're going. Mm-hmm. When I knew I was going to work those two guys, I was like excited. Like, I was like, okay, because JT Playa would, like, message me and say, like, oh, I got all these ideas. And it was, like, hard not to get hyped up because I know he's not, like, a mark and going to give me a script. You know, mm-hmm. like, so I'm like, okay, great. And then Pepper, great. And then I couldn't work both of them because of one issue. So one issue happened two times, and it was, like, nothing to do with me, not, like, no bad talk about the people involved, but it was all, like, this bullshit romance stuff. And I remember, like, Johnny Devine was, like, the booker once, and he's like, 
Rico, you got to do me a favor. And I'm like, what? He's like, you got to work with this guy because I'm scared that these guys are going to like shoot on each other in the ring. And I told him straight, I'm like, Johnny, I could give a fuck if they stabbed each other to death. I'm like, <laughs> uh, it's not like, like, that's not what I'm here for. Like, I'm already like, you know, like I'm, I don't complain about money because there's none. Like, I don't, you know, like I'm excited to work with this fucking guy. And now I can't work with him because there's a romance situation, you know, like this bullshit. Like, you know, like, I was just like, I might as well just go fucking home right now, you know, like, and I remember like talking to one half of the people involved in this and mm -hmm. shitting on them saying like, you're a fucking idiot. And like, call them every fucking name in the book. Like, just like, what the fuck? Like, this is fucking dumb. Like, this is fucking supposed to be like a job for you. Like, you know, like, what are you doing? Like, there's no, like, everyone give me shit and call me lazy, but like, you're so serious that your romantic problems are affecting the card. You know, like, get the fuck out of here. Like, and then to go work Pepper, I was even hotter because when I went to work Pepper, that was like a three hour drive. Oh, so like, man. I get there and I see Pepper and he's like, oh man, I was looking forward to working with you tonight. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? And he's like, yeah, he's like, they'll tell you when you go upstairs. And I'm like, go upstairs. And it's like, yeah sorry we had to switch like this and it and i'm like but why and then they're like some romantic shit and i'm like what the fuck's like what the fuck is wrong with you people like that's why your failures at fucking wrestling you never made a fucking dime because of, like dumb shit like this you know like and i'm like where the fuck am i because all i'm thinking is like if this was like somewhere in mexico there would be a gun pulled out there would be like people getting stabbed maybe a beheading like like it wouldn't happen because like this is people's like livelihood it's like even if you think like wwe wwf wcw like you always hear like rumors this guy's fucking this girl and this girl's wife and like you know like and like they don't change wrestlemania because of that not to say like this is wrestlemania but it's like even shittier than a house show like this is like 17 people watching who cares if they have a romantic problem how the fuck does that affect me you know like I just want to fucking wrestle Pepper and I want to wrestle JT play. Like that's uh -huh. it. That's all I want. No, but like, that's when it, like, for me, it was like, that was really like for me when it was like, I can't do this. Like I need, like, I need to stay away from this as far as possible. You know, like, and that was it. Like, so I don't know. It's kind of funny how it's like where it started kind of ended it for me. Cause I don't know. It's just too much bullshit. Like, yeah. I don't know. I'm sure it's like that now. Like when I talk to Josh, he doesn't say much, but like, he just says things are different. I'm assuming now due to like technology and the internet and streaming, it would make things a lot better because like, I think it would have been pretty cool. Like promoters or bookers have hard ons for like these storylines where it's like, yeah, I'm not going to be back here for two months. Like either are you, no one's going to remember what happened. People just want to pay 10 bucks and watch people get beat up. That's it. Like, you know, like entertain them, like have a bad guy, have a good guy. And now it's like, you know, if we had like streaming back then, these storylines to make promoters happy would have made more sense. Yeah. I don't know. Don't you think? I think so. It's yeah. hilarious that you kept calling it romance. <laughs> well, it was. It was like this guy's dating this girl and then this girl left him for this guy. And it's like, but what the fuck does that have to do with me? Like, I don't know, because like, 
maybe in my whole wrestling career, like not that it was like, you know, spectacular or whatever, but like nowhere I'd have ever been was there ever, like, have I ever heard that before? And like, I've never had a conversation with like a legend that I may like look up to. Like I used to talk to Sags a lot. Like actually every Christmas I still talk to Sags. I think he's an excellent guy. I think I learned a lot about the nasty boys, which I didn't know. They started really young as well. And then like, uh, I think he respected me because he looked at like what I did in my career is like territorial, like, Oh, you went to this territory. And then it's like, Oh, well, Mexico has a dozen territories on its own. Like you got Monterey, you got the North, you got the East, you got the South, you got the Midwest, you got the West. So it was like, when we talk about that is like, okay, I can understand how it is to be on the road. It's not glamorous. It's not whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. So like talking to him and then it's just like, man, it's like, you know, then like you get a little hyped about something and then it's like, you, you know, like these dramatics are what kind of ruin it. And it's just like, and it's not like an insult on the people involved. It's just like, come on. Like we're just wrestling here, you know, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. At the end of the day, it's like, I know I'm a little tainted and maybe I sound bitter, but I try not to be, you know, like, do I sound bitter? I don't think you do. I think you just, I'm honest. You're honest. And that's yeah. something that, well, it's something that not a lot of people are, are used to. Like, well, they're scared. Especially like, in this used- business. Yeah, like even for me, like I remember like uh, I used to do that O show like often and uh, like, you know, it's like kind of bite your tongue if you say something because it's like, you know, you don't want to piss off the wrong guy. And like, um, I don't know, like you just saw it in the change rooms, like the people that would get babied or like, you know, they put on this pedestal and it's just like, like, I think it was like Derek Wild. I think like while I was back in Ontario for two years, he had like four retirement matches it's like there's fucking 40 people here like who gives a shit you know like (laughs) no but i don't mean that as an insult to him but it's like okay like now everything has to shut down for you it's like if you're doing a gimmick like to draw like that's cool but it's Mm -hmm. like you know and like even like that was part of the crew like he was always nice to my face but that was part of the crew that like didn't want me around like when i first started wrestling so it was kind of like all right like no, like I don't know. It's like whatever. Like I never worked the guy. You know, like he didn't want to work with me because I was just like, who am I going to work with? Keep me motivated. And I always worked the same guys. I must have worked RJ like 150 times. And like he called, he got it. Maybe because we wrote together. He called every single match. I didn't do shit. I was just there for him. Like I remember people giving me shit saying like, oh, you shouldn't be jobbing for RJ. And I'm like, who cares? Like I'm going to be done. By the time he starts to like take off, if he decides to take off, mm-hmm. like I remember working Josh one time and I was so mad because went to the ring. I was supposed to be the face. He's the heel. They completely like shit on me and they were cheering for him. And I'm like, take it. And he didn't take it, which now obviously would be a different story. But like yeah. in my eyes, it's like it all comes from confidence and it's like, you know, a lot of these guys are like getting their confidence sucked away from them instead of instilled. In them. You know what I mean? Like, mm. because it's always that kind of like big brother bully kind of attitude that's going on in the change rooms where it's mm. like, you know, I don't know if it's the same now, but I'm sure if they change that, there'd be a lot better stars out there, you know? Yeah. Do you ever think about wrestling again? Like, do you just no. think about, no, no. nah, 
the way I look at things in life is like, if I'm not progressing, I'm regressing. So it's like, you know, like, um, I kind of like knew what was next for me. Like, uh, I kind of wanted to get educated and stuff like that. And then like, mm-hmm. um, I can't work for anybody. Like I'm too fucked up from wrestling. Like I can't go get a job. Like I can't like, uh, I just figure I just do everything on my own. And then like fate is like a big thing too. Okay. So, uh, back in 2005, I got a heads up that there was these units in like an industrial area in Markham. Mm-hmm. They're like, they were super cheap because the area was dead, but mm-hmm. like they were saying like, oh, in 15 years, they're going to build like a whole like downtown core, like in this area. Mm-hmm. So it was like, so I bought some units, like from the money I was making wrestling and it was really cheap and they were easy to rent. So it was like kind of harmless, like harmless investment. Mm-hmm. So, um, so what happened was I had them rent it and then, uh, three weeks no not three weeks about six weeks before i was going to get my haircut and like my final tour mm-hmm. i got a phone call from a lady who was leasing from me and she's like i want out of the lease because i want to retire like can we work something out and i'm like yeah like we'll get together we'll figure it out so i walked in my unit and i'm like i don't even remember what it looked like and i'm like oh i'm like i could build a gym in here like you know like so I literally like was like, yeah, when do you want to get out? And she's like, I want to be out December 1st. I'm like, done. So we worked something out. She left. And then uh, I think it was like October like 28th or something. I got my hair cut in the ring. And then December 3rd, I was running a personal training business. Wow. Yeah. Like no like timeouts. Like I literally built a gym in three weeks. And like I just like use like contacts like. Um, cause I, at the time, like even now I do, I work with a lot of kids, mm-hmm. like, like my whole theory, like people ask me, like, I won't take like people who just want to look better, like for one-on-one training, like what I do. Mm-hmm. So like, uh, I want it to be like beneficial. Like I want to feel like kind of when I go home at the end of the day, like I help society. So like mm-hmm. anyone can go to a gym and lift weights and look decent. Right. So, yeah. uh, working with a lot of kids, especially the young athletes, cause I felt like. I was like thrown into the fire at a young age. Uh, I could probably like teach them a little bit of the mental side. So I was working with kids and then, um, yeah. And then like, you know, I take some adults here and there and then like, uh, I just wanted to continue education. So like, uh, like I did nutritionist course, then I was like, this isn't enough. So I went back to school. I did, uh, nutritional science, like nutritional sciences. So like I did that. And then like exercise science, like, no, but it wasn't like a big thing for me. Like I was the kind of nerd that would like steal biology books, like in high school, because I realized someone taught me that working out and eating is like biology, you know, like, so Mm. like, I was like, always like interested in learning that stuff. So even when I was on the road, there's nothing to do when you're on the road. Like there's only so much friends and will and grace. And like I said, like, you know, it's Mexico. It's not Toronto. Like, uh, it's like kind of, you got to watch yourself. So like I went through my party phase like a little bit, but it was like, you know, once you're actually on the road and doing it for a living, it's like, you need your rest. And you know, like it's not, it's not party 24 seven, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, cause your travel isn't like always elegant. Like it's a lot of bus rides and stuff. So mm-hmm. I-, I would just like, uh, buy books and like, just like read like about like, you know, like nutrition or like working out and stuff like that. And then, um, 
So it kind of prepared me. Like it was kind of a easy transition. So yeah. like uh, going to school was more of a, of a overwhelming experience. Cause I had never gone, mm-hmm. you know, like if you, if you like, you know, if you're in your like late teens, early twenties and you have like a university experience, like not a big deal to go back for me. It was like mm-hmm. almost overwhelming, you know, like, yeah. 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 So like I did that and then uh, I work with a lot of sick people and like majority of um, majority of my clients, to be honest, like my nutrition clients and uh, like our mental health. Mm-hmm. Oh. Like I kind of, I took that path. Like, um, I don't know, like it's an issue, like even for myself, like I have like PTSD. So I have PTSD because of like, obviously like my time in Mexico and stuff. And it's like, it was like a really difficult transition to, to come back. Like when I first started personal training, I'm like, Oh, okay. Like I have the kids, but then I'm like, if I have some adults, I'm like, I'm going to have like normal adults. Like I thought to myself, like, I'm going to have normal citizens, like Mm -hmm. people who have jobs nine to five and they go home and feed their cat and their kids and they go to bed, you know, like, and then I'm like working and I'm like, these fucking regular folks are way more fucked up than I am, you know, like, cause it was like, I was like completely weird to me, you know, like it was just like hearing like, you know, office politics is like, Oh, this is like wrestling, but I can't say anything because then I'm going to expose myself for, you know, being in a fucked up industry. Right. Like, so you're trying to like make yourself be normal, but you're like, nobody's normal. And then it was like going to school is like, okay. Like, you know, like pick a path. And it was like doing the, the diets for like people who want to lose weight or gain weight are kind of like easy, like not easy, Mm -hmm. but I mean, like, it's like, okay, I got that. And then it's like, I, I found this fascination with like, um, like the mental illness side, because you'd be shocked to know how much diet like affects it. Like, um, Oh yeah. Like big time. Like I could talk for four hours just about like how like using vegetable oil will fuck you up or like, you know, like, and you got to remember, like I took a nutritionist course. So I learned, like, I call it the tree hugger side. Mm -hmm. And then like, and then I did like nutritional like sciences. So like the dietitian side. So I have experience on both sides. So like, I kind of like combo them. Cause I don't believe one side works better than the other, but like, mm. you'd be shocked. Like it was fascinating for me, like to learn all this stuff. And then it was like, I started to make some changes in my diet from what I learned. And I was like, okay. Cause I was getting anxiety and stuff when it was weird. I lived in Mexico city, didn't get anxiety a day. And then it's like, I'm in like the suburbs of Toronto and I'm getting anxiety driving, you know? And it's like, why it's all from like, I'm not wrestling life. I'm not blaming wrestling, but it's like, that's where it stemmed from, you know, like a lot of those experiences catch up to you. So Mm -hmm. it was a very difficult transition for me. So, so yeah. So like having my business is helpful. And then like, I have like a online semi online business where it's like, I don't physically have to see a lot of my nutrition clients. So um, yeah. So basically that's what wrestling got for me. That's why I try not to shit on it too much because I wouldn't have this if I didn't wrestle. That's amazing. And you've, you've been coaching my husband for, for years so that people just understand just how legit you are. Like, I know you helped him like years ago as well. Um, Cause I remember when we were back in her other house, but talking about more recent one day he'll be like, Oh, I, I, I lost this much. Like, mm. and I'll be like, wow, that's, that's amazing. And he's like, Oh, he'll, he just shrugged his shoulders. Like, Oh, just, just yeah. 
put my trust in Rico, you know, and yeah. it's been amazing. And I guess one thing that I really want to point out is nothing happens quickly. Like no. nothing I safe. Mean, yes. Yes. Yeah. Just watching him. Like how long has it been now? Like over a year since you've been coaching no, them through, right? No, no. So like, okay. So like, even from when I met those guys wrestling, it's like, cause I was always bigger. They were always like ask questions. So I always like kind of just give them like pointers and like, you know, like send them like try this workout or like, you know, like eat this, avoid mm -hmm. this. And then like, after like when I actually like got educated and stuff, Josh reached out to me, no, not even a year ago. And I just told him, I said, like, if you want to do this, I said, like, you know, you have kids, you have a wife. I said, like, you know, don't kill yourself. Because what I see a lot is, like, I have a lot of bodybuilding rejects. So what I mean by that is people who, like, fried their systems to look a certain way, they mm -hmm. pay for it later in life. So I said, like, let's play the long game here. You know, like, you'll get the results. It just won't come as fast. But you'll also not lose them. Mm -hmm. like you know what i mean like it's like more of a lifestyle mm -hmm. my like i don't have anything to promote my business but like i like to call myself like lifestyle management opposed to a trainer or like a nutritionist because it's basically like tell me your life tell me what you enjoy to eat i'll make it fit around there and obviously there's going to be sacrifices and then like even for myself like dealing with injuries so i think josh reached out to me last august so it hasn't even been a year Oh, and, really? uh, yeah. And then I told him like, cause before that we talk here and there, cause I always would message like the guys, some of the guys I like and just say like, how's life going? You know, like how's the wrestling thing? How's this? And then, um, yeah. And then like, I'd give him a pointer here and there. Like if I'd see a video of him doing something stupid, I would say mm. it, you know, like, and then, um, cause they understand it's coming from a good place. So um, and then, yeah. And then last August he reached out to me and he's just like, I really need your help. And this is situation and whatever. And I was like, okay. Like, and then, you know, like, that's why too, I put like responsibility on a lot of the people I work with for two reasons. One accountability is okay. Well, I'm going to pick a day. I want your weight and waist measurements sent to me every day or not every day, like every, every week on this day. Mm -hmm. And then like, if I have to make adjustments, I make them. If not, and then like, I ask like, how you feeling? How's everything? Like, are you moody? Are you this? Are you that? Cause like everything's connected. It's not just like the way you look mm -hmm. like just the like quick example is like, I had a, I had a girl that I trained for like four years. So when she came in here, just looking at her, you're like, whatever you're doing is working. You know, like that's my mentality was like, you don't need me. And then she's like, I need you. And she showed me her blood work. And then I'm like, this lady, this girl, cause she was like only in her late twenties had the cholesterol of like a 60 year old Italian guy that's eaten pork and you know, like pizza all his life, you know? And it's like, you can't judge a book by the outside. So the inside mm -hmm. is just is important. So mm -hmm. that's all thing. It's like, you want to look great, but you don't want to look great and sacrifice. Like you're moody all the time. You can't sleep, you know, like your nervous system is taking a beating. So I kind of look at like the overall package. So I take like all facets of my education and, and implement it when I'm working with someone. And it obviously helps when you have a relationship with them. You know, yeah. like I kind of know Josh and I know like his life story and I know like everything and I know like what he wants. So that makes it a little easier. He always says just how, um, cause I asked him like, how long have you known Rico? Mm. 
And he's always said that you were always a generous guy. Like you had no problem, you know, giving, giving out advice and just basically like what you said, you know, just shooting a message and, and just making sure that, uh, you know, that he's okay. And yeah, that, that's like, I guess like just my upbringing, but at the same time too, it's also, um, like I, I wouldn't have got the opportunities if I didn't get for two reasons. And I, I only figured out one, like, like a couple years ago, one was like balls. Like I had the balls to just go, like, there's no nicer word to say than that, you know, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. and then like the second one was like the people that helped me, like, um, like Del Rio walking me in like to the office, you know, like Sabu putting me over to these guys, um, Damien and Mr. Aguila and Halloween saying, you know, you're fucking here from Canada. You know what I mean? Like someone should give you a chance, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, and I think it was just like, you know, like these are guys that are like, maybe not top guys to the world, but they're top guys where they're from, you know what I mean? And then like, if you look at like the late nineties, early two thousands, like they've wrestled all over the world. Like they would tell WWF, no, thanks. You know, like, so it's like, these guys are being that nice to me. It's like, the least I can do is like, pass it on and at the time when i came back from ontario i tell the guys like get out of here you know like uh like you can wrestle your friends every week it's not going to do anything for you so i was just tried to be as transparent as i can Mm -hmm. and not fall into any clicks even though that sometimes can get hard to do yeah but my whole sole purpose, which it didn't work out, but the whole thing in my mind, what I told myself was, if I can go and help these like younger batch of guys that are coming through, I will. Mm-hmm. Like, there's one thing I feel bad about, and I shouldn't feel bad about this, but like, you know, Ethan Page. Mm-hmm. So the first time I ever worked Ethan Page was in like a humid, like it was so fucking humid and the ring was the shits and they had like a canvas, like mm-hmm. it was like, and it was wet because of all the humidity. Yeah. So I told them straight, I ain't doing shit with you because I'm not breaking my ankle. So we're going to keep this really simple. And then in my mind, I'm like, I owe him, you know, because I didn't give him anything like in that match. Mm -hmm. And then the next time I worked with him, they were like, oh, like, okay, you're going over. I'm like, no, no, no. I'll just put the guy over. And then it was like, Robbie, the Highlander was the booker. And I'm like, I like Robbie. So I don't want to argue with him. So Mm -hmm. I was just like, I'll do whatever you want. Like, you know, like that's just kind of the way I felt. Cause it's like, if I'm not helping the new crop of people, I'm completely useless. It's like I said, you've got a guy like who's 20 years wrestling. Like, I don't know this for a fact, but just kind of like the odd thing I hear, like look at Tyson's been wrestling for over 20 years and like, he's good at what he does or whatever, but the fuck you taking spots away from young guys. You know what I mean? Like, let them have it. Like, you know what I mean? Like you're already, you're done. You know, like if no one signed you by now, they're not. So mm-hmm. it's like teach, give them opportunity. And I'm not saying Tyson takes away opportunities, but it's like, if it's like you hear like, oh, here's a show. And then it's like, okay, same guys that used to wrestle back then. It's like, no, don't come out of retirement. Don't come like do it. Like, you know, let the young guys have it because they're never going to learn. And that mm-hmm. was another thing where it was like not motivational for me to wrestle. I'd rather have. I'm not saying because your husband, like, I'd rather Josh take my spot than me do it. Like, what am I going to get out of it? See, we need more people like you. Uh, yeah, I guess. Like, I don't know. Like, but that's also the way I was taught. Like, so 
you know, like when you break it down, like sometimes when I think about it and I had this conversation with Josh, I'm like, if people were like taught that, like to not be so selfish when it comes to it, I think, I think it'd be like smoother. Not to say wrestling's bad. Cause I don't even know the only, the, the newest wrestling I saw was like four years ago. And I went to Santino's gym mm-hmm. and then like, cause he had a show and I went there and I watched it. And then like, I, I, Josh was on that show and I saw like that, like, that was going on and it was like uh cody diener was on the show and i was like i don't know i think he's like an awesome showman i don't know to me he reminds me of hacksaw jim duggan like to me hacksaw jim duggan should be on every single show of wrestling because i don't care how cool like the wrestlers are on the show Mm -hmm. no one gets a pop like him and if he doesn't get the pop he makes himself get the pop like you know and i find cody like the same way Mm-hmm. So like a guy like Cody has been wrestling so long, but he has a place on the show. Like when you have a guy that's been wrestling for 20 something years, but he's doing the same match or he looks like he works at Walmart. Like, you know, like, the, like you, what are you there for? Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, what are you like, other than maybe to show your neighbors and your friends and your kids that you're a wrestler, like, okay, do one match and fuck off. You know, like mm-hmm. that's my whole thing where it's like, there's not a lot of promotions. There's zero dollars but people need a place to learn. And then that's where I think like a lot of the political stuff comes in. And like, I'm not knocking when I use like names of people, like it's just a matter of like the reality. It's like, if you were wrestling before I was, and I've been done. So you figure from 99, we're in 2021, that's 22 years. Mm -hmm. If you've been around for more than 22 years and you're still taking a spot from a younger guy, I don't know, like maybe stay home half the amount of bookings you can have and get other people bookings. Like that's all saying about like that Justin insane. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't really know him. Like, I just like when I know him from when I'd see him and it's like, why aren't I not seeing you getting more opportunity unless you don't want it, you know, like why? Like you have the athleticism, you have the look, you have everything. And it's like, I don't know if it's politics or whatever the case is, but I mean, like if he wants to wrestle, he should, he should be able to pick and choose where he goes to work. Like, I'm not saying for the big companies, cause I don't know if he's like that, like marketable or like good, but like as an independent, it's like, why aren't you working? Like even like some of my favorites were like, I told you kingdom was like my favorite, but he's old. So he could stay his fucking old ass home. But like, <laughs> um, like, you know, like Justin saying, like, I'm not going to say Josh or like page cause they're doing their thing. Like they're on TV and stuff, but like, um, I remember like the guy, the hacker, like Kurt, mm-hmm. yep. like, uh, like I'm a big fan of his. Like, I remember I used to do shows with him for these guys called the chant monkeys. And those mm-hmm. were like some of the funnest shows that I did. Cause there was like no ego around there, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, then there's like, um, uh, there's that Italian guy, like Bruno, whatever, like, uh, I liked him, you know, like, uh, I, I was like really fans of these guys. So it's like, I hope that they're getting opportunity and they're not, you know, like they're, they don't have to like not do a show because someone else is taking their spot, you know, like, mm-hmm. and they're like friends of mine, like asylum, like he's a friend of mine. I haven't talked to him in years, but like he was cool. And like, I think he had a great brain for the business, like in the sense of like, he knew what to do in the match. Like he was better than me. He would tell me what to do. And it was great. But like, you know, even him, it's like you're old, like, you know, like no one signed you yet. So it's like, you don't need to be on every show. Like, kind of stay at home, but I kind of don't have the right to say that. And I'm not shitting on them, but I just think, cause if there's limited places to work, you should step aside and give the opportunity because your time has passed. 
I get that. Does that, does that make that. sense? Or like, am I a dick for saying that? No, it does make sense. I think that's, what, I think that's another reason why I didn't want to like, I would feel guilty about taking a booking. Like the tour was a whole different story. So I'm like, Hey, I never seen Eastern Canada. Let me go do it. You know, like, but I'm like, I don't need to work these shows in Oshawa because me being on the show means someone else is staying home and my heart isn't in it and I don't care. And I already had my chance, you know, mm -hmm. like, so it's like, move on or book my own show. For the only thing, people. the you only know, thing like, I'd say, the only thing I'd say is if, they love the business so much. Like if they love performing so much that even if they did like just one independent show, like, what would you say to that? Would you no, tell them? Like, I'm not saying don't wrestle. Cause who am I to tell anyone not to do something they love? My whole point is like, if you're on, like, if there's, let's say, a, I don't know, I'm going to throw a number. There's 10 shows in Ontario a month and you're on six of them. You don't need to be on six. Oh, like you yes, could be on, no. you could be, a, you could be on four because mm -hmm. like those other two, there might be a guy I never even heard of before. Cause it doesn't matter. Cause I don't know wrestling who you're taking those two shows away from, but I'm thinking in my, my own shoes is like back in the day, it was like, if I could get two shows a month, like that's huge. You mm -hmm. know, like, like that's like, I was lucky to get one a month. Maybe you get one every six weeks. So it was like, you know, you can give them the two and you can still have your four or maybe you have your three or maybe you teach, you know, like maybe you go there, you get your same payday, but like they throw you in a triple threat or like in a tag match or you're just a guy who sits in the back and like, you know, like actually like agents, these guys, because let's face it, majority of these indie shows is like the guys who are telling you what to do have never wrestled. You know, like I remember one thing I did at the beginning a lot and it confused people was I would walk around because I didn't know a lot of guys and mm -hmm. say like, Hey, what's your finish? You know? And like, they're like, but we're not working together. I said, yeah, no, I just want to know your finish because I don't want to use it. Mm -hmm. You know, like, and it was just like, they were confused, you know, like, and it's like, yeah, because there's no one there to teach you that stuff. So like, if you have a guy who's like, I don't know, I'll use the examples in asylum, uh, Tyson, uh, Derek Wilde, or whoever like has been around that long, if they're like, okay, I need to know what you guys plan on doing because this guy's finish is this, you can't do it in the middle of the match or at the beginning of the match and you kick out. You know, like, like everyone knows it's a work, but you still want to entertain people. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. so it's like, you don't want to look stupid either because it's like someone who's reluctant to go to a show goes and sees I don't know, like, uh, I don't know, Moonsault is the guy's finish in the fourth match. But in the first two matches, they did Moonsaults to start off the show and the people kicked out. The guy's going to probably, like, say, well, like, there's no dramatics here. Like, there's no buildup, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. everyone's job is to build up to the main event, right? So, like, who's there to teach these people that? I'll be honest, like, no one will probably want to listen to me. And I could give a shit to do it. But like the people that have the passion to like do it, it's like, there's a room, there's room for you. Like, I don't know. Don't you just think it's like, make it better for like, I, I think like this way, it's like, you know, like leave the world better for the kids. So it's like in wrestling, it's like, well, no one was around doing that stuff for us. I love the business so much. Why don't I be around to do it for them? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if you're talking like 
doing all these shows, like six, seven shows, then yeah, I totally get it. Yeah. Because you're not doing way, it for a living. Yeah, no, no. You would only be doing it, like, say, if I was getting back into it, I would be doing it simply because I I love, you know, I just love wrestling. Yeah, but, like, I mean, okay, so it's like a hobby, which is fine. But, like, what I mean is, like, if you knew that there was, like, people would drive, and, like, now it's different than before. Like, mm-hmm. now it's, like, a little more normal. It's not like there's one girls match every, like, two months. Yeah. You know, like, so, like, let's say, for instance, like, if you know, like, okay, you're going to do a match a month and, like, that's it. And you're not going to take time away from, like, the young, hungry girl that, like, wants to do this as a career. Like, who cares? No problem. But, I mean, mm-hmm. if you're starting to be like, oh, you know, I can do this every week. And then, like, you know, like, majority of the time people aren't thinking, who am I taking the spot away from? Right? So, it's mm-hmm. like, you know, you got to, like, okay, are you going to do this? You're not going to do it. If you're going to do it, you do it. If not... You let people know, like, hey, listen, I'm just looking for, like, a show a month. Like, I don't see anything wrong with that. You know, Mm -hmm. like, but if this was, like, I don't know, when I was wrestling in Ontario and there was rarely any girls matches, I would say, like, "Ah, maybe you should just either pick your in or your out because, you know, there was a lot of ignorance back then when it came to women. You know what I mean? Like, there there wasn't a lot of, like, women wrestling. Like, the only ones I remember when this is... Okay, before I left, like, to go to Mexico, I remember there was a girl named 21st Century Fox. Yeah, yeah. Uh, her. Mm-hmm. That was the only girl, like, and then whoever she'd work with. It was just them. Like, mm-hmm. that's all I would see in Ontario, right? I'm talking mm-hmm. just Ontario. But then, when I, like, came back second time, there was, like, Dania, Cherry Bomb, Jen Blake. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know, like, a couple other girls, but, like, there was the guy in Oshawa, he would actually have just like a women's tournament and like bring in girls from like Quebec and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it was like, it was a little bit more like open-minded where yeah. it's like, you know, like, so that's what I mean too. It's like picking your spots. Cause it's, a, I don't know. Is this still clickish from the guys you talk to? Um, I, uh, a, a teeny bit, a teeny bit. I think it's, it's, it's changing. I think some, I think after this pandemic, I think some promotions may be done and Mm -hmm. I think the click will be over. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Because they're basically getting washed out because the pandemic basically just fucked them. Like, so yeah, no, I get that, but that's not like, yeah, but that's kind of like, that's kind of a bad thing because like if there was no pandemic, then it'd still be clickish. Right. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like, see, like, even like Josh told me, he's like, oh, you hung around like this guy and this guy and this guy. I was like, I did. I'm like, I know I rode with this guy, but it was just like, that I really hang around anybody. Like, I always found like I was more comfortable being around the up and coming guys because to me, they were still raw. You know, like, mm-hmm. I just asked them, like, uh, who trained you? And then it's like, okay, this person's like, okay. I don't know. I think even it got to a point where like um, everyone just became a wrestling teacher. So I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what they're learning. Like you can learn moves and you can learn bumps, but like, who's actually teaching you like the business, Yeah. you know, like, but like I said, like, Hey, before I went to my coach's school, like maybe about like six months before mm-hmm. I went to Sully's gym. Cause there was a, 
it was an old school guy who like like really old school guy who I knew like outside of wrestling who was like really good friends with Sweet Daddy Siki. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, like Edge and those guys came from that gym. So I went one night just to see it. And then like I went there and like I watched like 20 minutes of a class like mm-hmm. with Ron Hutchinson and stuff. And then I'm like, oh, okay, you know, like I didn't get the same vibe because there was just a bunch of guys in there. Like I'm not mm-hmm. saying it was bad. I'm just saying like when I went to like the gym that I went to, it was like serious. Like it was like, okay, like I'm going to learn here. Like I'm not mm-hmm. here to make friends. So I think like the way you're taught makes a big difference too. It's like mm-hmm. I said earlier, like not to shit on people, but like, you know, no one's always taught like the business side of things. They're just taught the moves because the the coach got to pay his bills. So he just wants those monthly fees, you know, like where it's like my coach looked at me and was like, you really want to be a wrestler? It's like, yeah, this is how much it costs. You're going to have half of it on Tuesday. And you're going to have the other half a month from Tuesday. If you really want to be a wrestler, you're going to figure out how to get that money. And like, that's how he left it with me. You know what I mean? Like, so it was like kind of cold. Like I wasn't babied, obviously. If you really want to do this, like you're going to figure out how to get that money, you know? And that's kind of like the way it was like being taught was like, you know, no one's going to call you at home. You got to go find your opportunity, you know? And like, I look at like the guys who came from my gym, like even before me, it was an all or nothing thing. Like Al Barone made a living off wrestling. Mm -hmm. Uh, The guy who played Jason, the legend made a living off wrestling. Santino Morella living off wrestling. George Terzis living off wrestling and like semi shoot fighting, you know, Mm -hmm. like it wasn't like we did this once in a while, which is nothing wrong with. It's just like, I wasn't brought into the business like that. Like, that's why, like, maybe my journey sounds a little like weird, but like, or like not typical. And it was just because of the non-typical gym I came from. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great story. Well, it's my life, you know, like, yeah. that's what, like, yeah, basically what it is. And, you know, like, I, like, I'm not, like, I see like a lot of interviews with guys, like everyone's praising themselves. It's like, I fucked up just as much as I did. Well, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, but, I guess at the end of it, it's just one of those things was like, okay, you know, like when I bought those units, the way I looked at it is like, if I go completely broke the rest of my life, at least I own the units, I can live in one and no one can kick me out because I own it. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, so, and thank you to wrestling. Like that was my attitude. The other part of it's just like, if, uh, if I can have a reputation as being like a nice human being, like that's good enough for me, Mm -hmm. you know, like, but like, I also know, like, I have a reputation to some as, like, a lazy guy because they just see, like, me post-career. But they have no clue what I did before I turned into the lazy guy, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, so that's the whole thing where it's, like, uh, you kind of don't judge. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you kind of got to, like, know the whole story. But unfortunately, like, some of the bitterness is, like, due to, like, having no success, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you see a lot of that too but like i'm totally cool with the weekend warriors i don't think they kill the business i just think that like if everyone is a little bit less selfish we'd probably see the development of bigger stars that's true because i tried so hard like i'm not just saying this like i truly tried hard to get like justin saying booked more mm-hmm. and like it just never happened and i'm like if this guy worked like just two or three, you know, more shows a month from 
10 years ago. Like maybe we'd be seeing them on TV every week. Like, am I wrong though? Like, no, you're not wrong. Like he's still wrestling. Oh yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess I mean, like not during the pandemic, year, but he was. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I yeah. guess this last year, nobody's wrestling. Like, like I remember too, when I was wrestling before everyone was trying to get to like uh, border city wrestling. Like that was mm-hmm. like the big, the big goal. Yeah. You know, like it was like, yeah, he ran big shows. He had names. He drew, he understood the business. Like, I don't really know Scott Demore. Um, I think I had like two talks with him. So one thing that was really cool. Remember I told you I did the soap opera. Mm-hmm. So I met Scott Demore's uncle while I was filming the soap opera. What? <laughs> yeah. See how like fucked up it is. Okay. So, uh, like one of the, like, we we're doing it in like a nightclub that was in a hotel. Mm-hmm. So it's like a 15 hour day. So like, you know, like during the day when they didn't need me, I just go outside like 10, like go in the pool or whatever. And uh, there was a bunch of Canadians. And whenever I'd hear someone speak English, I would talk to them. So I was talking and snap. And then it's like, like, what are you doing here? And then I like, are you part of the filming? I said, yeah. I said, like, they're filming like a show. And then he's like, oh, you're an actor. I said, no, I'm not an actor. I said, I wrestle here. But I said, I'm being an actor for today. And then. He's like, you wrestle? And I said, yeah. And then he's like, my nephew uh, wrestles. And then I said, oh, yeah. And he's where? And he's like, Windsor. And like, who's your nephew? And then he's like, Scott. And then I'm like, oh, okay. And then like, I was like, what's your name? And then like, you know, like it was nice. Met him, the aunt, whatever. And mm-hmm. then when I came back one time, I saw Scott. I said, hey, I met your uncle. You know, and then like by the time I told him that, uh, unfortunately, he had passed away or something like that. Oh. And then, yeah. And then another conversation I had with Scott was, um, so he was doing something with all Japan wrestling. Mm-hmm. And I work with like everyone from all Japan, like, yeah. oh, like from Masada and Osawa, like all those guys. So like, it's kind of weird because like I said, in Ontario, I was just like the lazy guy. But then like <laughs> when those young boys, when those young boys from all Japan came here, mm-hmm. like they would like, so like Masada and Osawa, like those guys would tell the young boys, you're going to Canada, see if you find this guy. Mm-hmm. Like he worked with us and then like, Oh, big star. Like they would say like, he's a big star. So these guys would come and everyone's looking at me like I'm some lazy, like old guy. And then <laughs> these like Japanese guys are bowing to me and like, you know, like trying to carry my bags yeah. and like, they're like, what the fuck's going on here? You know, like, so that's where it's kind of weird. Cause no one knows like the life I went through, you know, mm-hmm. or a lot of people, like one person asked me, and I found this funny. Like I was in Oshawa wrestling in front of 40 people, okay? So this guy comes up to me, and he says to me, like, this is one of the boys. This isn't like a fan. And he says, hey, man, I got to ask a question. I said, what's up? And he's like, is there money in Mexico? And I'm like, you're wrestling in fucking Oshawa in front of 40 people, you know? Like, and you're asking me if there's money in Mexico. You know what I mean? Like, like the ignorance. You get what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Like, so, and I had that ignorance before I traveled. Like I thought it's WWF or bust. Like you're a loser if you don't make it there. Like, that's what I thought. And then it's like, once you actually learn the business, like there's almost zero desire to, to even want to go to WWF. Like, you know, Mark Jindrak? Not like, you know personally. Yeah. No, but I know who he him? is. Yep. Yeah. So like that guy, I remember meeting him his first day in Mexico and I'm like, you're going to be a fucking star here. And then he's like, you think so? I'm like, yeah. And like Mexico is a freaky place, you know, like 
Like you kind of like, I don't know, like I liked it, but I was young and naive. I don't think I would do the same things then. I like, sorry, I wouldn't do what I did then now, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, so he's like, kind of like timid and stuff like that, like there. And then like, he just like, you know, and I said, like, you're going to be a big star. Trust me. You're going to be a big star. And look what he turned into a humongous star, you yeah. know? And like, even I told him, it's like, oh, you got to get yourself on the soap operas. I said, that's where the money's at. <laughs> and he's like, I don't know. He's like, I just want to wrestle. And then fuck the guy was on a soap opera too, you know, like, <laughs> so like, see what I mean? Like, it's just like, you don't know until you're there, Like mm-hmm. you don't really know what's going on until you get there. Wow. Yeah. Before we yeah. do, before we wrap up, I want to play yeah. one game with you. Mm-hmm. We're going to play rapid fire. Okay. I'm just going to name a simple move. And the first wrestler that pops up, you just say. Okay. Sounds good. All right. The first one is drop kick. Uh, Randy Orton. Nice. Super kick. Shawn Michaels. Choke slam. Big show. DDT. Jake Snake Roberts. Neckbreaker. Ravishing recruit. Oh, nice one. Uh, Moonsault. Uh, Mr. Aguila. And Powerbomb. Psycho Sid. Nice. Nice. You, you know like- why I said Psycho Sid? Why? Because I always was terrified. Like if I ever had to work him, I'd have to take it. Because oh. <laughs> the way the way the way he would power bomb people, like I'm not saying he's unsafe. I don't know, but I'm just saying like the like it was so like his power bomb was so believable, like mm-hmm. punishing, like that, like it would be scared. Like if I work with Nash, I wouldn't be scared because I see the way he drops the guy, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, but yeah. Sid, like I don't know. It's like I know he's not hurting anybody because you don't hear about it, but like I don't know, it was just so powerful. Mm-hmm. You Everybody that I've done a podcast with, like at least one of them, they would like need to take the time to like think about it. But you just like bang them out. Yeah. You know, you know your stuff. (laughs) The only one I had trouble with, um, with the first one with the drop kick was like, Mm -hmm. um, like in a millisecond, I was crossed between Bob and Randy Orton. Oh, like for the drop kick, because like Bob's like a bigger guy. You know, like Randy Orton looks like a guy who has a beautiful dropkick, right? Like Bob Orton looks like a guy who's like, you know, got an amazing shoulder tackle, you know, like, Mm -hmm. but his dropkick was like impressive. So it was a tie between those two, but because Orton's taller and he gets that height, I'll give it to him, which I, but I also would have could have said like, if I'm like now, because now you're making my brain go, uh, Mark Jindrak. Mm -hmm. No one has, no, no one has a better vertical leap in the wrestling business than Mark Jindrak. Damn. Well, now you're doing lifestyle management for anybody who is serious about getting coaching done with like nutrition and training. Is there somewhere they can contact you? Yeah, my Instagram, like um, I keep it private because I just kind of keep it simple Um, Mm -hmm. and I'm not entertaining. So if you want to get entertained, you're not going to get entertained off my Instagram. (laughs) Um, But yeah, like that's just the easiest way is like contact me on there. Let me know, you know, like that you heard of me from here. Yeah. And then that's it. Like I accept you and then I can give you more information on what I do and how I do it. Perfect. And what's your Instagram handle? It is Rico Montana underscore one. 
Okay, perfect. Rico, thank you so much for sharing your story with me. I was thank you. I was completely blown away. Literally, your story, it's like you just were telling a movie and your mic drop of leaving your gear in the hotel and just saying, see you later. Like Yeah, that was yeah. But Josh really? never told Josh never gave you a heads up on anything. Like I just assumed that maybe he would because he knew we were talking. I, I did ask him. I said, like, is there anything that I should I should know about Rico mm. that yeah. you know, like like I don't want him to think I'm an idiot, but like no. should I know something? And um he said, Well, like he was a really good wrestler, like he traveled. And that's mm-hmm. all he said. I said, okay, perfect. I don't want to know anymore. And, yeah. and which is why I told you right off the bat, like, I know nothing about you. Yeah. But like, mm-hmm. I didn't want you to take that in like a wrong way. Oh, no, um, I don't at all. But it just, it got me like really excited to just, to just know like your story. Yeah. No, but no one does. Like that was the whole thing where it was like, okay, I'm coming from somewhere and I had some success. But, like, it means nothing in Ontario. So, like, I would tell people, like, and it was very nice of, like, promoters and bookers to be like, hey, but, like, you're not a jabroni. And it's like, yeah, but I am a jabroni because, like, one, it's like I don't wrestle the style. I don't know it. And two, it's like I'm not a name. So when someone books me as a special guest, I'm not a special guest. I'm just, like, no different than the new guy. Because I highly doubt that, like, people who saw me wrestle in 2001 or two in Ontario are still coming to shows you know like so like no one really knew me you know like so i'm not special like i'm just a guy like but (laughs) but maybe that's your upbringing as well right like you're you're very um like low-key i that that's that's what i that's what i'm getting from you and and you just i i don't think you hold yourself as high as you should Well, okay, I'll tell you one thing right now. And I heard this from a lot of like name guys. Like I remember, you know, Ricky Banderas. No, you know, uh, El Macias and like, um, what was the wrestling that had like the, it was on TV for a while. Cross worked there. Del Rio worked there. It was like, um, oh man, the big guy, Brian Cage was on there and his wife was the Lucha Underground. Yeah, Lucha Underground. So he yeah. was like the he was like he's a big guy there. So Ricky Benares very quickly, humongous star in Puerto Rico, like huge. Mm-hmm. Then went to Mexico, huge star. He worked AAA, but like a lot of times we'd be in the same hotels, and we made a little bit of a friendship. Like I learned a lot from him listening to him. And he said to me, he goes, "You know, one thing I see about you." And I said, "What?" He goes, "You're not a mark for yourself." And then mm-hmm. I was like, "I'm not," because like so my wife's Mexican, never mm-hmm. watched me wrestle a day in her life. Like she doesn't give a shit about wrestling, doesn't know nothing about it. Um, but like her nephews did. So like, mm-hmm. remember I told you there's like 10 wrestling magazines every week. Yeah. So like, m- like her nephews would like say like, Hey, like he's in like these magazines. And I would say, Hey, do me a favor. I'm like, buy the magazines, you know, like I'll send you the money. And then I'm like, if in one day I want the magazines, cause I want to see myself, I'll ask you for them. But like, uh, like even in like my facility, like the walls are bare like everything. And people would say to me, like, with your career, why don't you have pictures of yourself? And I'm like, it's not about me. Like this place isn't about me. Like if you walk in someone's gym and they have pictures of themselves to me, I'm like, you're a fucking Mark. Like, you know, and maybe I shouldn't be that rude, but like, it just is like, for me, it's like, okay, you're paying me to come here for me to do my job for you. Why do you need to look at pictures of me? If anything, Mm -hmm. I should have pictures of you up there, you know, Mm -hmm. like, so 
I don't know. I just never really cared. Like, like I've never watched the soap opera I was on, but mm. my parents have, you know yeah. what I mean? Like someone like another long story short, people from Canada were like in Mexico and then they realized it was me that was on the show and they were VHSing it and sending it to my parents. Like when they come back home, like, but I don't care to like, I'll listen to like this interview to make sure I don't sound too much like an asshole, but like, <laughs> I, it, you know, like I, I don't know. I just don't feel like it's about me. I think there's a bigger picture to things and I'm proud of my accomplishments and all that, but I think I became more proud of what I did uh, more recently than at the time it was happening. Cause I just feel like everything that I did was what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And for me, like not everyone's path, but like for me, so, yeah, I don't know. Like, I just don't, I'm not, I guess I really am not that much of a mark for myself. Like, but it's okay yeah. for other people, <laughs> like, but it's okay for other people to, to mark out for you. So that's what the promoter was yeah. doing. He yeah. thought of you as someone big, right? So yeah, just no, take I get it. it. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, and I did, but like, it was just one of those things where it's like, I'm not here. Like at that point in my career was like ring time and like maybe some assistance. It's like, Hey, like, you know, like I would have to fight with the promoters. Like I remember we did the CWI. There was a guy named Turk and like, I was wrestling Turk a lot on the tour. And then he had friends when we got to New Brunswick that he knew from like university that were coming down to watch the show. And then I'm like, and we were the opening match. So I'm like, I'm going to put Turk over because he's got people like I would ride with him because it was like peaceful, you know? And they're like, no, you can't. And I'm like, yeah like and they're like no so i just put them over anyways like it totally ruined it like you know but like i know that's not the right thing to do but it's just i don't know i truly like didn't matter as long as like people were entertained and if i can make someone happy it's like why not go for that right Mm -hmm. because i don't think like maybe you'll hear it from someone else i i don't think i was ever like a dick to someone like i don't think i was so if my reputation would be more i was a nicer person than a better wrestler it's like better for me yeah. To me, you didn't sound like a dick or anything. Yeah. But maybe that's because I'm in the business and I'd, I, I'd rather be friends with someone who's, who's real and yeah. fake. Yeah. So, cause it's hard to find. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. absolutely. But we've never met, have we? No. <laughs> yeah, that's why. Oh, that was met. another thing. That was another thing I asked Josh. Yeah. I'm like, so, like, do you know if Rico and I ever cross paths? And mm-hmm. I think he just said, like, when I, um, when I left or something, you probably came back for a visit. And then mm-hmm. when I left, you came back, like home. Okay. So, I don't know. So yeah. Yeah, because you worked a lot of like shows in like the U.S. and then you worked shows for like Scott Demore. I yeah. never worked. I never worked any shows like uh, for for Demore. I never worked like for any of those guys. Like yeah. so. There would be nowhere to like really cross paths because mm-hmm. like, I, I think I told Josh, I'm like, I like, I've heard your wife's name, but I never met her, you know, mm-hmm. like, and he's like, you guys never met. So no, never met. So yeah. Cause like who, where did you train? I started off at squared circle. Okay. And then and as who's I, a trainer there, um, the head trainer is supposed to be Rob. Yeah. But he didn't really train me. It was more so like Steve. Had, like Steve showed me a couple things, and then like mm-hmm. Ash and Chambers showed me a couple things. Uh-huh. 
And then when I traveled to Michigan, I learned some more there. So like yeah. everywhere I went, I would go to the nearest training facility and like learn a little yeah. bit more. Yeah. No, I, like even like you mentioned, like Ash and Chris Chambers. Like, so when I first like started in Ontario, like uh, they were around. And then like, I remember like people saying to me, like, uh, you got to watch out for these guys. They just latch on to like whoever's like, you know, head of the click so they can get in. And I was kind of like, I don't blame them, you know, like, but, mm -hmm. but, but then when you keep hearing it and it's like, well, what's the bitterness? Like, I always think like Chambers had an awesome look and I thought like Ash had like pretty decent gimmicks because he was like original, you know, like mm -hmm. he was into that punk thing before, like that was cool, you know, yeah. like, but then it's like, you know, you hear shit and then I'm like, ah, maybe these guys are dicks. Maybe they're not. I don't know. But like, they didn't care for me. You know what I mean? Like you kind of get that vibe where it was just like, I can't do nothing for you. So, you know, like, so it's not like I have a beef with them or anything like that, but it's just like, that's the way wrestling is like, mm. you know, it's like, what can you do for me? You know, like, yeah. so you always seem like, especially a guy like Chambers, he had the athleticism, like he'd be someone like good to kind of learn stuff from, you yeah. know, like, he I don't know. Has his own, he, yeah. He has his own wrestling school. Okay. Yeah. Like mm. I could see it. Like I could see him like, yeah, he's a better looking guy than like Shawn Michaels. You know what I mean? Like kind of like wrestles the same way, you know, yeah. like I could see him like being marketable, uh, but whatever, if he wants to go somewhere and try it, like, you know, like, but um, yeah, like there was a lot of guys that were like all kind of like um, part of clicks, but not part of clicks. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and then it was like, how do you get in with the clicks? And then it's like, do you even want to bother? You know, like, yeah. so it was like very, I think it was much, I can't judge for now, but like, say 2009 10 when i came back here mm -hmm. i think it was like harder in like the early 2000s that it was you know 2008 9 10 like i think it was like easier for those guys in those years like i think it was like kind of tough to break through so you got to remember too we had a commission back then so there wasn't as many shows so mm -hmm. like every yeah. show that happened meant a lot yeah yeah but i rambled enough i hope i got what you want and you're not bored <laughs> not at all no Rico thank you so much I really appreciate it no problem it. thank you for um, having me of course Rico can help you virtually and in person so even if you're far away like even if you're in the states you can contact Rico and he'll help you once again you can DM Rico on Instagram at Rico Montana underscore one that does it for this episode until then see you next Tuesday